you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Now football is back. (laughs) From the Chris Wesley Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. The Sunday flagship program, week 18, the finale of the regular season. It is now all in front of us. Dan Hansis here with heroes Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler. And yes, here we are. It is set. Sunday night football in the rear view. And we're going to get to that game first. We're going to mix things up. But here it is. You ready, Sess Dog? Yes. Here we go. Wild card weekend. Excuse me. Super wild card weekend. Packers at Cowboys on Sunday afternoon. Rams at Lions on Sunday night. Eagles at Tampa Bay on Monday night. On Saturday, Greg, Mark, Cleveland Browns at Houston Texans. West of us is back. We West even have Case Keenum involved again. And we got an exclusive Peacock game for the cock fans out there. Dolphins at Chiefs Saturday, 8, 15 p.m. And then Steelers at the number two seed. Who would have thunk it? Buffalo Bills Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern with the Ravens and Niners both on by. It's set. That is the road to Super Bowl 50. Eight? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I always struggle with numbers. Football is back. Uh, it, it, it always It's a little bittersweet always this week 18. It feels good. It feels good to, to do it for the last time. It also feels a little a little sad when you're, you're seeing Scott Hansen say goodbye for the season. And my son, I remember this feeling as a kid. He, w- he was kind of bummed out this morning. That I was like, oh, this is the last one. It's ending. Uh, but the playoffs are ahead. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, we were having that football is back conversation. That was four months ago. I feel like that was two weeks ago at this point. It shot by, uh, I mean, at this, at the same point in the same time, like the end of the regular season is also necessary because we, yes. we have finished the narratives with a bunch of these teams. Yeah. I feel like this year though, it happened later for a lot of them, which was better. It's been a great regular season. And I don't remember like a wild card round with so many. And we were talking about it, like just, like there's a, and it could go a lot of different ways. Yes. These games. It's not like, you know, there are no quote unquote floating trash bag games, right? No ham and eggers that are just going to get picked off. I mean, it's, it, there are definitely some stronger than less, but like I see some intriguing matchups. Um, it, it's, there's a lot to unpredictable nature to nice sell. And there's I like, really mean it though. I don't say that kind of stuff too much because sometimes I just I'm not buying into it. I want to see what happens. But I, this is a weird wild card round. Well, week 18 is satisfying. Super. The last weekend of the regular, it's satisfying because there Super. are these through lines. Like yes, some things have changed. Some teams are falling apart injury wise. But there are these through lines, and we saw it in what I thought was a great way to cap the season in this Bills game. This this Josh Allen roller coaster mm-hmm. has been here from the very start of the very first big primetime game of the year to the very last. Yes. And that is where we're going to start. It is Super Bowl 58, by the way. I mean, you knew we'd, we we nailed it. Yeah. You, that was close. Perfection. Um, uh, yes. It, the bills have been really kind of a, a great uh, symbol of this season. Unpredictable 
ups and downs. Just when you believe in a team, they turn their back on you, but then they come back around and they had to win five in a row to win this division, the AFC East, the Dolphins who had been in control all year long, but in Miami in front of thousands and thousands of Bills fans, Buffalo put on a show. Miami. Three receivers to the left, Cedric Wilson to the right. Two in the shotgun with A-Chan to his right. Back to pass as the Bills fans get into it. Fires out to the left sideline, and it's intercepted by Taylor Rapp. Picked off at the 23-yard line. The pass was off the mark, and Rapp picked it off before it reached the sideline. An unbelievable play. Roberts, your team just won the division on Sunday Night Football. Where are the damn bongos? I'm having some integrity today. I'm saving it. Okay. He just not trying not All to right. be biased. It's okay to be biased. Yeah. This was a big time Whoa. win in a big spot. This would have deserved them. I, I, I gave them the bongos a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I think there was a more deserving. Okay. Game. The Produce, Buffalo producer's Bills. choice. Get a punt return for a touchdown. Stops on defense. A touchdown scoring drive by the offense, which had been up and down all night. And then, yes, that final stop on defense. The interception by Rap on a float throw by Tua. And there was uh, a lot of those in this game. And, and, and the Miami offense went ice cold when it mattered most. Final score, Bills 21, Dolphins 14. They both finish 11-6, and six, but the Bills sweep the Dolphins in the home-and-home, home, which means they win the tiebreaker, which means it's the Buffalo Bills, as we said, that are the number two seed um, after all of this, Mark. The Bills find a way, and I thought it was, as we're watching, after they fail on that fourth in less than a yard on the QB sneak, which I hated the call, and, and, and you're like, geez, are they going to find a way to blow this game after they had it in their hands? It was like kind of the most Billsy Bills game, and this time they find a way, as they have in recent weeks, and they're the division champs as a result. They really are overcomers. Uh, I mean, to go through what they went through in the first half and have Josh Allen have two end zone interceptions, a fumble later on, and you're kind of just waiting for at some point for Miami to heat up because the, the injury list for Buffalo was starting to rack up. Razul Douglas went out. Um, Gabe Davis went out, Deion Dawkins went out, and it's just like, can can they survive this game? And they've been doing it all year long. A couple of weeks ago, it would have seemed completely outlandish that they would have won this division with the way that they were of such, such an up-and-down nature. But I think it's, you know, if you're Sean McDermott, the reason that you're still the coach of this team beyond Josh Allen is that the Sean McDermott defense needs to be a difference maker. And... This Miami offense, which I think really misses Jalen Waddle two weeks in a row, um, missed him tonight. They were out of sync in the entire second half after closing the first half with two touchdowns, four straight punts, and that pick to end the game. They had less than 50 total net yards in the second half. Ooh. That is tough to do. It's a no-show. It, it was a complete no-show. It was a complete no-show, and I know they were missing people. They are banged up too, but Buffalo... I thought the Josh Allen experience in the, in the final 30 minutes was truly special. It was a truly special version of Josh Allen. Him picking up that third and forever as a runner where there ended up being a penalty on the play on Miami was Josh Allen. Him 
picking up all those short yardage conversions throughout the game until that last one. And I'm with you, Dan. I just thought like it's worked like six times or five times. Is it going to work one more? It's okay to run the ball. One of the reasons. You also had 10 people in the box. Great. It's like yeah. you have to have something in your bag of tricks there. It just run the ball in a normal way. Like There are different runs, and I think that's why they won the game. First half, Raven, uh, the Dolphins are able to run the ball well on those two touchdown drives. They have 100 yards rushing at halftime. Second half, the Bills come out, and they come out running consistently in that first drive. They, they end up blowing it, but they run the ball well, and the Dolphins can't do anything. And ultimately, like the Dolphins need to be a special offense. And I know they were without Mostert and they really miss Waddle. You're absolutely right. But too many times in these games against good opponent, it is a thing. Dolphins fans, the offense starts out pretty well in the second half. They're, they're nowhere to be seen. This Bills defense has really played special considering all the injuries down the stretch. They, they earned this game. If Allen didn't keep turning it over, I know he's the one that set him up. They outgained him by a couple hundred yards in this game. Yeah, Allen nearly got the, the Bills beat here with three brutal turnovers. Um, you know, some were worse than others. There was, uh, we were talking about it, Eric, that interception in the, I think, the second quarter where it was just like, what, what, what world is this man operating in? But that's kind of been part of his DNA since he came into the league. But sometimes where he gets on tilt and he's just so desperate to make a play. And then for the first half to end for first half to end at the one yard line uh, where he throws short of the goal line with no timeouts, Sean McDermott and bad timing, but it's a contractual agreement between the league and the, and the network you're grabbing Sean McDermott 30 seconds after a brutal failure in the red zone. And he calls out his quarterback is like, we can't, my quarterback can't throw short of this uh, goal line in that situation. It's a great, great group tackle by Miami though, too. Great play by Miami's defense. And then in the third quarter, Allen gets the ball ripped away once again in the red zone, which is another great play by Miami's defense, but also Wilkins Wilkins made a great play, but Allen's got to be better than that. You got to protect the ball. You can't let take anybody take the ball away from you in this moment. But to get the the punt return was, I think, you know, it kind of gets a little lost in the mix because so much happens in this game. It's r- really a pretty wild game. In fact, I think we're going to make it our game of the week on NFL Plus because it had so many twists and turns. In the fourth quarter, we're down. Um, we're looking at a 14-7 score in favor of the Dolphins when uh, Deontay Hardy takes that punt 96 yards to the house. And uh, it's one of the bigger punt returns in recent uh, Bills history. And it, it changed that game because all of a sudden it went from the Bills feeling like and fans and again, thousands of Bills fans in that building um, feeling like it's just another frustrating day for this team to, okay, we got things even. And what happens? The Bills, when they get the ball back after another stop, they go right down the field, eight plays, 74 yards. Allen to Knox puts them ahead. And then when they need to get the stop after they can't finish the game off on offense, it is the Bills defense with, again, two of thrown hospital balls. Uh, there is there's just no execution for Miami's offense, but you got to give Buffalo's defense credit for getting the big stops. It's just stuff that wasn't happening to Miami on these special days where we were watching their offense in awe because you've been you've you've hovered around Tyreek Hill all season. He had a bad drop initially. He had a second pretty bad drop on late in the game that would have been a big difference maker, but a Bills DPI saved them on that one. But it's like Tyreek Hill was not Tyreek Hill tonight. He didn't look very healthy at the end of the game. Uh, it, it Their running game vanished entirely. And it's, you know, it's not just a Tua thing, but it's like, 
I, I don't know. They didn't have a single drive of more than four plays in the second half. And, and it's, it's Buffalo's defense, but it's like Miami couldn't find a way out of this. They started the fourth quarter. I'm, I'm thinking about the, the scenario. They started the fourth quarter with the ball and a touchdown lead. And you go back to how that sequence played out. Penalty on Armstead, supposed to be one of their best players, gives him a first and 15. Tyreek drops that pass that ends up making it a second and 15. They would have been close to a first down there. Then they have a penalty. Uh, you know, Tua misses a throw, but then they have the illegal blindside block, and that ends up killing that drive. You give up the punt return, and then there's just more mistakes on, on these throws, and you're not getting any running either. They tried to go back to HN and, and it didn't work. And in big spots, you're throwing the ball to Cedric Wilson. And then at the end of the game, you're throwing it to Claypool. And that throw, I was like, is this just a terrible throw? Is he expecting Claypool to cut it off a little sharper? Maybe that's possible, but they just haven't been in sync. And you're right, Mark, that like, they don't look like the Dolphins of those exciting moments. But like, when were those moments? Because, like, against the Eagles, let's say, in a big primetime spot, they don't have those moments, really. They have 17 points. Against the Chiefs in Germany, they don't really have those moments. Against the Cowboys, they find a way to get it done in a field goal game, and then you have this Ravens and Bills game. So that's a pretty long resume in their biggest games of the offense just being okay. Just okay. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Not quite. Now, the Dolphins, they are going to the playoffs, and... uh and they get the Chiefs in Kansas City. Fun game. Nice game. Interesting. So if the if the Miami Dolphins would have found a way here, we would have had a rematch. It would have been Buffalo going right back to Miami. Uh, but the way it works out now, after all of this, the Bills, more or less where maybe a lot of people predicted them to be, like the number two seed in the AFC, just not the route that we expected. I'm going to gloat a bit here, guys. Go ahead. I've been following along the uh, in-season hard knocks, following along the Dolphins. Uh-oh. You know, I'm, I'm going to pour myself a nice glass, pick my feet up on Tuesday night, and enjoy the final of the season oh, finale. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, so, you deserve that. Gonna... And now Dolphins fans waiting for me to, to land a kill shot. I'm not. <laughs> no, you don't. Just, need to. You know I mean, you, you can't. They're, they're, it's not that long ago that the Bills were the 12 seed in the AFC, I believe. Right. They were at 6-6. Six and six oh, and they were the 12 winning. seed. Guys, that I, was, was, I, was, I think that was the same week the Jaguars were playing for the one seed. Yeah. On Monday Night Football. Figure was on the panic button at several times this season, guys. And here we are, division chance. And rightfully so. This team has teetered multiple times, uh, but they found a way. Uh, nice timing for a five-game winning streak. All right. They are banged up. Both teams are. Like, the one thing about Miami going against Patrick Mahomes, like Andrew Van Ginkle hurt tonight. Yeah. You've obviously lost Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips. They're down almost nothing at pass rush. Hmm. Well, they, they do have Agbas there making a lot of money. You're right. Uh, and thought, Ingram was out there. They were having tonight. to send the blitz to make money. You, you mentioned, though, panicking. Sometimes Josh Allen was panicking against the blitz mm -hmm. tonight. He eventually settled. Um, but you know who didn't panic who? this week? That was me. When Nick Wessling came to me and he called me a coward. Wait, hold on. Wait, stop that. That's what I want to do right now. What? Nick really did come for your manhood a little bit when he uh, came in off the top rope and called you a coward and called you out. So what I want to do here, I'm going to take video. Go ahead. You're going to reply to the camera that I'm pointing at you. I'm going to send this to Nick in real time. We'll get a response from him. Well, we're also on the podcast right now. But the moment Nick called me a coward on the show, I didn't take that personally. For some reason, I don't have the, the emotions, the feelings inside where that gets to me. But when he took the Dolphins, I knew... 
that the lock competition would be over for the first time in history before the playoffs because I'm not a coward, but I recognize someone who's bad at picking games when I see it, Ooh. and that's Nick Wesley. So if he Ooh. was taking the Dolphins, that made me feel good about the Bills. Lock it up. Oh, God. <laughs> Mark looks like he needs to go on a vacation. No, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's 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 been like. All right, I'm sending this off to the uh, the Wesling thread right now, and I'll let the listeners know if we get a response before we sign off. Nothing more is more enjoyable for Dan and I than to watch Greg gloat as he's destroyed all of us in the law competition um, for 18 weeks in a row. Back to back years, uh, four out of five years, and uh, league sources have indicated that I'm strongly considering retirement, um, retiring on top. So, have to see. If you want to retire from the show, we'll <laughs> we'll just bring Nick in. It'll just say fine. league sources have been reporting that they that uh, you know Team Rosenthal just feels like it has nothing left to accomplish at this point. Go out on top four in five years. Yeah, you're a very likable person. That's that's what I've always said about you, Greg. <laughs> All right, let's uh, keep moving here, and uh, and I'll I'll let you know if Nick gets back to us. Uh, let's head and check in on these other games of note in the AFC, and we're going to go through all the AFC games. And then we're going to hit the NFC, but let's go to a Saturday affair in Indianapolis where the Texans and Colts are battling with the division, the playoffs, everything on the line. As big a play as you'll have all season. Fourth and one at the Houston 15. Uh-oh. Minshew in the gun. Minshew to throw. Minshew it's swings open. it out to the back yes. left side. It's incomplete. Oh. And the Texans take over on downs with 103 to go in the fourth quarter. What a stop. Colts can't complete it. <laughs> Texans have it. Well. <laughs> I mean, first of all, Bills with Bonkers. I, I stand by it. I'm with you, Eric. This, this is an upstart. Well, it's, 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 it's an upstart Bongos team. And the Texans with the stop, the big stop, that was a drop and a tough one. Mark Vandermeer, K-I-L-T, with the call. C.J. Stroud throws. For 264 yards and two scores, Devin Singletary scored the go-ahead TD with less than seven minutes to play. And, yes, the Texans get that stop when poor Goodson, the reserve running back, can't bring in a slightly errant Gardner Minshew pass, and it is the difference. So that win for the Texans combined with a Jaguars loss in Nashville, which we're going to get to, allows the Texans to win the AFC South, and they will host Browns. Mm. Super wild card weekend, as we said. That is a tricky matchup for the Browns. But, uh, man, what a game, Mark Sessler. Uh, and C.J. Stroud, I love that the game starts. Drops back. First throw is in, uh, right. in the first primetime game in our league, and he hits it for 75. And they're off and running from there. I mean, we've seen like quarterbacks that almost hit like a Peter principle type thing where it's like, you're having a nice season. You're a rookie. Uh, it's a great story, but you get to a moment like this and we learn that it's the, the step you need to take in the off season to get to that next place. Like CJ Stroud just rolls onto the scene, executes on the first play, mm-hmm. looks completely calm and comfortable. And then I'll go to the final drive where, I mean, in one of the biggest moments of his career, very short career and the game tied seven seventeen, he, goes seven for seven for 82 yards to orchestrate the, I mean, he's just absolutely perfect in the greatest moment. 
And I, I think, like I've said all along, I really think like the Texans are this weird team that are extremely well coached. I know they're a little banged up, but with CJ Stroud and what Nico Collins, the way he's playing, it's like, I could literally see them winning multiple playoff games. Mm. It just wouldn't be that surprising in the AFC, a strange AFC. I think Stroud has made this team completely unpredictable. Uh, they're totally enjoyable to watch. D'Amico Ryans is someone that has changed the Texans organization from top to bottom. And what happens next is anyone's guess. This game was why Stroud is just an outrageous talent. The best quarterback to enter the league since Burrow and Herbert. And man, I think his rookie year was more impressive than either of theirs. Certainly than Burrow, but, I, but then Herbert too. And this game was perfect because the first half is going to get f- forgotten, but he combines the spectacular with the steady, like an elite, elite quarterback. The first half, he didn't have one negative play. Everything was perfect in the first half of this game. They did not have like a big lead, but every decision he made, every throw he made was perfect. And I was just thinking, wow, this guy is locked in. There's almost nothing more he can do, even though he's missing Noah Brown, missing Robert Woods. And then the second half of the game, that's where he needed to be spectacular. On that drive you mentioned, there's a second and 20 where he, he's running for his life, throwing off his back foot under total pressure and hits Dalton Schultz for 17 yards. That was a ridiculous play. And then later in the drive, the play, I think a lot of people remember it was 23 yards to Nico Collins, just feathers it in there as he's getting absolutely hammered under pressure. And Collins makes a fantastic catch too. Collins goes for 195 in this game. And that's CJ Stroud. Like he can do it all. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Yeah. And listen, you, you said D'Amico Ryan's changed the organization and all due respect to D'Amico Ryan's, but it's not, it's CJ Stroud. And well, it's it the can be, power. it can be a combination. The quarterback is so important in the sport. And I just, if you put Bryce young on this team, I, I just don't see it, but I think you put a guy like Stroud on this team and the way he's playing, he has totally changed everything uh, for this organization. And, you know, we're just saying like Tua and, you know, having Jalen Waddle out of that game. And that was a bad break. Well, Tank Dell was was Stroud's guy this season, and you took him out, and and, and then you get him. Stroud gets injured with a concussion, and he's gone for a couple. Take of weeks. Noah Brown out. Take Robert Woods out, <laughs> and they still find a way because he has he's that special dude. And I think we we kind of saw. I agree with you, Mark. With you take out the Ravens, okay? Because the Ravens are cut above in the AFC right now, and then and with all due respect to the Steelers, I'm going to take them out. Any of the other teams in the mix here, the five teams in the AFC. None of them would surprise me, like beating up and, and right. going on a multiple uh, game run in the playoffs. And I think the Texans are absolutely capable of that. And Stroud is a big reason why. I the think reason it's, why. Yeah, it's going to matter what version of Will Anderson you get, um, you know, starting High ankle next spring. week. Right. Like that's that. I, so when I say D'Amico Ryan's like, I think their defense has completely changed. And a lot of young players have developed and grown yes. for our eyes. So it's like there is a coaching element. Like Bobby Slowick really matters on offense and what he's done with various offensive line injuries. And you see someone like Nico Collins, nine targets, nine catches, 195 yards and a touchdown. And it's like, yes, it was the 75 yarder, but it's sort of the overall thing where it's like, CJ Stroud, like any good quarterback, is going to turn players around him into productive stars and like stars in the making. Nico Collins is going to get 25 million dollars a year this offseason if the Texans are smart he's not a free agent yet but he I, I haven't seen many players quite like him he's built like he looks like AJ Green when you just look at him but he runs he plays like a tight end he runs over people he makes a lot of he has great hands difficult catches so they have a one they have a two in Dell 
Uh, it was exciting. And yet, despite all that, they, they're really banged up. They need to get Jonathan Grenard back. They need to get those receivers back. And late in this game, the Colts are driving, and I'm thinking, oh, man, the Colts are definitely going to be in that early west of his spot uh, <laughs> when they're only, what, 15 yards away when they call that fourth and one. Fourth and one, Houston 15-yard line, 106 to go. Um, they call a pass play on a day when Jonathan Taylor is running wild, uh, but they say Minshew, get the ball to reserve running back Tyler Goodson, who I believe had six catches all year. And uh, the ball, the ball is not perfectly placed, but Goodson can hang on to it. Do we have? I don't want to. Do you have the Colts call? Let's hear what the Colts call was. Colts down by six. Minshew's going to throw. Caught. No, it's dropped. Dropped the ball. In the far left he dropped the ball. Oh. He had he a first down, but he dropped the ball in the far flat. He could not bring in the catch. It was well schemed. They had to, They knew they were going to have man-to-man coverage. He ran the swing pass out there. The linebacker couldn't get there. He was trying to run around the pick. Oh, my God. Mm. Heartbreaking. You feel so bad for the guy. And you never want to be in and woke up this morning. I feel like I always see this every year. Cross sports, the ESPN headline stack, and it's like, player X, uh, drop won't define me, or miss foul right. shot won't define me, and, and define me. And here is... Uh, Goodson after the game, who's you know stand-up dude and on the roughest day of his career. I worked too hard to you know just drop the ball like that, and I gotta accept that opportunity. That's okay. It was a tough throw. It's still touch my hands. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Touch my hands. Uh, but next year, I won't be in that position ever again. Ever again. Mm, I feel so bad for him. Hopefully, he does have a moment down the line and this, he could look back on this because that that's a tough way for a season to end and for, uh, for good. So that's terrible. I mean, I think it's, I think it creates one of these conversations that you, you get in big games like this, where it comes down to like a, a short yardage final option here. And you've had Jonathan Taylor run for 6.3 yards on the day, 188 ground yards and a touchdown. And it's like, wait a minute, we didn't give it to John. We didn't just give it to your best player or make sure it goes to the, to the person who's been dominating all day and long. Minshew so- had a bad day. I all I, he wasn't throwing the ball while well. he threw for 141 yards. And if he, who knows, it's not a good throw either. They Goodson both could have dropped it, it right in his cat. hands, but it wasn't a great pass from Minshew either. So you kind of you chose with to use your backup quarterback and a backup running back over your star running back who had been having a big day. Those are all second thoughts. Of course, you could also say, well, the play was schemed up and it was perfect. Right. For the they're, they're, they're professionals. You got to yeah. hit that play. As a coach, I think it was a fascinating sequence because they did give it to Jonathan Taylor. I mean, they gave it to him on the, that drive. The six, seven previous plays. Yeah. They gave it to him on third and two. He, he got one yard. I actually thought watching Taylor there who had come in and he, he had been ruled doubtful with the heel injury. Even though he was gaining yards, I was like, oh, they should bring in Zach Moss. It would take a lot of chutzpah, but I thought he was running it not as explosive, kind of careful on his feet on that six-yard gain right before the last play. Like, he had a ton of room, and I thought earlier in the game, Taylor hits that and would have picked up a first down. And it was fascinating because I think Steichen might be up there with the best coaches in the league in terms of game management, in terms of play calling. And he played that final sequence. Very interesting. He decided, like, we're going to try to 
end the game here. We're not going to, even though we have three timeouts, we're not going to play it both ways, which is how most coaches would do it, which is maybe score a little faster. But if it doesn't work, we get the ball back. And he decided to kind of burn his timeout too before that play because he wanted to see what the Texans uh, played their defense and knew what play he was going to get, called the perfect play. So I can't kill him. But then after using the timeout, uh, you basically have lost the game because you you put it all on that one. So all that play. And they maybe wouldn't have won the game either. Like he would have been at like the seven yard line and they had four plays to try to score a touchdown. Oh, brutal. Uh, but to the Texans credit, they get off the mat, even with all the injuries and they find a way to close out, win the division when they get some help the next day. And here is a locker room uh, that is a happy one with D'Amico Ryans at the front. Love you guys, man. Hey, sir. How you too? Man, you proud of the determination, man. You talk about determination, mm. pure grit. Mm. Everybody fight to their last play. Yeah. That's what it's about, man. And we punched our ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I don't mean to demean D'Amico Ryan's. I just, it's more about like the transformational it, it nature of it a, a truly the, gifted young quarterback. Yeah, it wouldn't look the same yeah. without Stroud. Obvi- I mean, obviously. But he was but his perfect football. hire. That's right. football. He it's was like his perfect hire. Walsh, Montana, Belichick, Brady. I just, yeah. you got to give, you know, everyone and, gets And it's not because the, the, t- the team is functioning in so many better ways all over the place. And like, I just, it's, it's easy to forget where the Texans were like a year or two ago. I or, mean, it was like darkness. Or even seven weeks ago. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll own up to it. We probably should have probably should have picked them as a team of ATL, you know, <laughs> but it, it, well, they were discussed. It happens. They, we, they were the two teams that came down to, we caught, Mark was pushing for Texans to his credit. We got, was, we caught Dobbs fever. You know, I happened. mean, cause I was part of the Dobbs. No regrets. Here. Just saying that it's fun. What, They're they, a fun what is, team. What? Just, uh, what? Can't with Greg sometimes. Why? What? Enough. I what mean, do you mean? How much, how much do you want, Greg? What do you want? You want a slice? What do you want me to say? What do you mean? What do you want me to say? This isn't about me. I'm giving Mark some credit here. What do you want me to say? We gave him a lot of trouble, and I was going for the Vikings. And and he wanted the Texans. He was right. I was wrong. I I wanted Josh Dobbs to thrive. We wanted Josh Dobbs to thrive. I think Dobbs Dobbs was, and I signed off. Why do we endlessly litigate it that way? It didn't work out. It was... It was just the way it was. But the Texans would have been nice. All of a sudden, we're acting like the Texans are a flawless organization. No, we're no. no. They, that te- organization. They had a the, Texans, the Texans did a very team of a high, high end team of ATL type thing. I'm trying to give myself us the business the same way we gave him the business for the Vikings back in the day. It's 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 all fun. Very fun. You're <laughs> right, Greg. As always, you're right. Uh, let's move on uh, to the next big game. Steelers and Ravens. Oh, boy. Steelers have a chance to punch their ticket, too. Mm. Third and four. Steelers from their 29. Shotgun snap. And it is Mason Rudolph. Down the middle and on his way. Deontay Johnson. 30, 25, 15, 10. He's gone for that Steelers touchdown. 71 yards. Rudolph to Johnson. Sweeter than Nelly's blueberry pie. Yes, I tell you again. <laughs> it's every week, Nelly. Bill Hillgrove with the call. Mason Rudolph threw a 71 yard touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson on the first play of the fourth quarter. Steelers grinded out 17 10 over the top seeded Ravens, who, of course, rested multiple key players, including MVP favorite Lamar Jackson. That Steelers win combined with the Jags' loss on Sunday clinched yet another playoff appearance 
for Mike Tomlin, whose team won three straight to close the regular season. Um, my fearless prediction there was that they would not win again, but they went the other way. Uh, so credit to Pittsburgh and, and never doubt, Greg, um, Mike Tomlin. It's a massive FU from Tomlin to everyone who doubted his team and his place in the organization after all these years of consistent success. It, they're just a ridiculous team. They, they are, the I think, only the fifth team in NFL history to have a negative 20 uh, point differential and win 10 games. Now they got, they got an extra game to do it, but it's still like, like statistically, they're one of the worst 10 game wins at teams ever. So when we're looking at these playoffs, like they do look like the team that stands out. Although in this season, you're right. Nothing would surprise me. The weather was a massive factor in this game. I've, I've seen some analysis being like, oh, the offenses, this and that. It's like the weather was as bad a, of a weather game as there has been all season. And to Najee Harris's credit and their offense's credit, like it was a Najee Harris game. It was not a Jalen Warren game. I don't think they would have won this game without Najee Harris. He was like the definition of a mutter and he yeah. was awesome. And he kind of took him. Yep. A couple weeks in a row, he's been everything that you would have hoped he was when he was taken in the first round. And, you know, if you found out before the game that, you know, Mason Rudolph was going to throw for 152 yards, fumbled the ball three times. You'd think this is this is a problem, except that the Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson. They're Nose Flowers. They're missing a bunch of guys. But, I mean, the biggest thing hanging over this Steelers team right now is that at the end of an excellent two-sack game, T.J. Watt suffers a, two, a grade two MCL sprain. And according to J.J. Watt, um, it mm. could be a couple weeks of rest and recovery. So it's like you take JJ Watt off this defense. And it's like JJ Watt's one of these defensive guys. That like, TJ Watt, TJ Watt, like wins games for you. And it's like, I, they're just not the same operation without him. So that, that like, that is, that is like watching him walk to the locker room was like, ah, this is awful for Steelers fans. There was eight fumbles in this game. This, I mean, it looks, this, this, this was an awful watch. The Steelers picked up six of them. So like sometimes six. the game comes down to that they did dominate yardage for the most part like Tyler Huntley could not get it going there was more starters in this Ravens game than I think people realize like the offensive lines and the defensive lines for the Ravens basically were in the whole game uh there were starters throughout the defense for Baltimore but Rudolph's been good like even on that touchdown he had a shorter route he could have thrown it to and he always pushes it a little further he goes further to Johnson gets rewarded with a, a big touchdown he only had two incompletions 18 for 20 for 152, like they've been pretty solid with Steelers. And there's this report that, you know, Pickett is still their franchise quarterback from our guy in Rapport. I'm like, what? They're, they're literally going into Stop. a playoff game and he's not starting. That's, that's he's not your franchise exactly. quarterback. Exactly. Well, it's mean, like, just don't stir anything up right now. Just say yes, fine. Everything's fine. But like, come on. Well, yeah, they're in an interesting spot. Yeah. Looking forward. But it is really, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy that they did go on this run with Mason Rudolph on top of everything else. So it's, they're, they're not the team. They're not the sexy team here, obviously, in the AFC. And I just said earlier that, you know, I kind of take them out of the mix of the teams that I think can win multiple games. But, geez, I, I'm not going to doubt Tomlin. I'm not going to doubt the Steelers. Know, you know, maybe they'll muck another one up and, and find a way uh, next week because they, you know, they're starting to believe in it. But the TJ Watt injury is is massive. I think that is what takes the most wind out of the sails here. 100%. Yeah, there, it's it's unfortunate, but it is a an incredible division in this division, which ended up having so many winning teams. Everyone's a winning team, and the Steelers won five and one in it. 
I know there was some weirdness to it, them playing backups, including Huntley and Browning and, and the Browns, but they still went 5-1 and one in the best division. It's kind Very of amazing. good. And the Ravens, did they get out healthy here? Trying to think. Uh, I think they pretty much did get out healthy. I mean, I guess one of the benefits of sitting your key stars on offense right. is they can't get hurt. So they will, of course, have the bye, and then they will face the lowest-seeded lowest remaining team in the divisional playoffs uh all right let's keep on moving uh oh let's head to tennessee where the titans team that's had a rough year had a chance to do something ruin a rival's uh year that that's always a good thing let's see if they did it fourth down and two i think they did i just lawrence in the shot don't want to spoil it looking Firing. Incomplete. Yes! Oh, Lord. Yes! Hell yes! <laughs> Pass was intended for Evan Ingram. Edmonds had good coverage. And the Titans take over on downs at the 32, only needing to kneel to win this game. Mike Keith, I'm really happy. I get that. <laughs> That's good. Wonder if Mike Keith's one of those guys where it's always his full name. He only gets addressed by full name. Mike Keith with the call with Dave McGinnis. Uh, the Jaguars, they just couldn't get it done with the season hanging in the balance. Trevor Lawrence sailed that pass incomplete. And the last place Titans escape with a 28-20 win in Nashville. And the Jags started that season, this season, 8-3, and three, uh, but end the year with five losses in six weeks. And they miss the playoffs and give the AFC South to the Texans. Mr. Sessler. Mark Sessler, what a frustrating afternoon and season for Lawrence and the whole Jags organization. The implosion is complete. I mean, we've been sensing it and feeling it, and yet they still had a chance at the very end of this game to tie it up against the Titans team that was playing like with a tarot set on fire. And you have that poor pass to Evan Ingram just off target. It kind of looked, reminded me of like the frustrating moments from Trevor Lawrence in the past, but this game had plenty of those mm. because earlier on that same drive, Calvin Ridley is wide open and Trevor, Trevor Lawrence just basically overthrows him. It's just, he's off. It's like, he could have, that would have been a touchdown. He could have sealed it right there. You, there was a ricocheted interception uh, early in the game, which wasn't totally on, on, tre on Trevor Lawrence at all, but he threw a bad interception to Sean Murphy Bunting, Bunting on what was a clear communication. There was a, a downs, they, they went out on downs early on a, where he throws short of the sticks on fourth and six. And there was a goal line stand where, Trevor Lawrence is stopped at fourth and goal, uh, you know, inside the one on a QB sneak, and he's stuffed. And, and the one thing about that play is that Trevor Lawrence switched into that play. Mm. He, and, and, and he took he took total accountability for it, but he said, if I'm going to do that, I've got to nail it. And it was just like, the this team had no margin for error without Christian Kirk. I really feel like they never were the same without Christian Kirk, and I never would think I'd say that about that player. But it's like it's something happened to this passing game. Trevor Lawrence obviously has not been healthy over the past month. Um, he didn't look particularly hurt to me at all in this game. But something it's almost like something's going on because we got the version of Trevor Lawrence from early last season. And we know that he quietly has just been a massive turnover robot um, behind a lot of them. Because I think now it's just like he's such a great quarterback. We just expect him to be a star and maybe even like a top five guy. Um, he's not played that way of late, and today was the epic and total meltdown, and it doesn't happen if their defense does not allow Derrick Henry for rumble to 153 yards off 19 carries. 
Um, he had a 69-yard run at one point. They just broke this Jaguars defense. So it was a complete and total team implosion that we've seen coming for a while. The Titans were up for this. Derrick Henry, his last game likely as a Titan. He he spoke on the Jumbotron after the game, like thanking Let's listen everyone. To it. I thought this was interesting and fun for uh one of the one of the great players in franchise history. Titan fans, I just want to say thank you for the greatest eight years of my life. The ups and the downs. Y'all been there for everything through the adversity. Watch me grow as a person and a player. Always supporting me. Um, I love y'all. Uh, I love seeing the 22s in the stadium. Hopefully I was an inspiration to all the young kids and everybody in the community. Just thank y'all so much. Man, God is good. And tighten up, baby. <laughs> what a class act. And the only reason I know he's gone uh, beyond that speech was after the game during the press conference, he thanked his avocado guy in Nashville. In so that's when you know it's over. You're uh, you're leaving the neighborhood. Yeah. But yeah, there was a great shot of him in Tannehill kind of having a quiet moment before going out for the game. And him, Henry was kind of emotional talking about Hen- Tannehill. What a after career the game. in Tennessee if that's it. Right, saying, saying that's my dude. And it was fitting for him to run all over the Jaguars, 19 for 153, because he's been doing that his whole career. 1,564 yards against the Jaguars in 15 games, which seems outrageous. He averaged over 100 rushing yards in 15 games. But then someone put the stat out. Derrick Henry's actually averaged over 108 yards from scrimmage against all AFC South teams. Like wow. he has like dominated that division in a, in a pretty special way for eight years. And the Jaguars just weren't ready for it. Like this division should have been there for the taking. There was a lot of reasons why. Uh, but ultimately, Lawrence wasn't good enough in the end. That last drive was was tough to watch, like miss, miss throw after miss throw. And maybe he doesn't trust in his teammates to get a yard in that situation. So he calls his own number and I don't blame him. They couldn't get a yard all season in those spots. So like it, it's more than just Trevor Lawrence. I, yeah, but I'm also going to, I'm not going to bury Tua for the way he played in this game and then let Lawrence off the hook because he did, he did make some, you know, boneheaded mistakes and turn the ball over throughout the season I just wonder how healthy he was like because even yeah. going into, into the weekend, you were seeing reports on Saturday about his shoulder and, and how serious it might be. And he's a competitor who likes to stay in the lineup. So he, he forced himself in. I just, I wonder if you're going to learn more about his mm. health in the days after the season. He had three separate injuries and it wasn't like, you know, he's hobbling around out there. It wasn't uh, Joe Burrow with his calf situation, but it's like, you're right underneath what we can't see. It's like, is it affecting even mentally what you're thinking you can do? Because, I mean, I think we saw that with, like, Justin Herbert a year ago when he was banged up. It's like you're, it changes your mentality if you don't feel 100%. I mean, they were in that division game last year, divisional round game against the Chiefs. They, had, they really could have won yeah, that game right because there. of the injury to Mahomes. But they had drops. They had untimely turnovers. Uh, they had some sloppy defense play. And then that, that kept happening all year and basically this season for them was flipped from last year. They, they had that strong finish last year, this year uh, they end up collapsing. And I do wonder if it's, it's possibly the last Mike Vrabel game too. We don't know. There's been a lot of insider reporting that feels like a, a fertile situation for some drama. Absolutely. So the Jaguars go home and we see what happens next uh, with them and let's keep moving. Now we'll head across the sidewalk where the chiefs and chargers did battle 
Well, Third down and goal to go. Stick wants to throw it. He's going to pump fake it. Scramble, he's hit. And goes down and fumbles it. Picked up by Mike Edwards. Edwards at the 30. Room to run. Amenahu knocks it out. And Edwards trying to get a defensive score. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. Mike Edwards, the king of the pick six, gets a scoop and score. <laughs> yes. Mitch Holtis with the call. Uh, big time scoop and score there uh, for the Chiefs. And then they get a field goal from Harrison Buckner with 49 seconds to play. It's the difference in a 13-12. Of course, this is how the Chargers season ends. 13-12 Chiefs over Chargers. And the Chiefs finish 11-6 uh, and six and locked into the AFC's number three seed for the playoffs entering the game. So Mahomes inactive Travis Kelsey a healthy scratch Kelsey by the way finished with 984 yards so that ends his bid for an eighth straight 1,000 yard season me I want to play a series give me that a thousand to get me out but that's his call or the team's call or whatever um we're also big time year uh big time year I feel like we're um bonus celebrations really Went mainstream this year. Oh, this is oh, the yeah. best. Chris Jones, and we saw it with uh, Jadavian Clowney um, and several other places this week. But Chris Jones has a sack that triggered a $1.25 million bonus, and he was on top of the world. So those are the things I will remember from this game. Otherwise, not really an overly consequential affair in the history of the league. There aren't too many, as you would say, ultra moribund uh teams this season that mo there's been a like you know you can trust them to kind of show up the Chargers season needed to end and it needed to end weeks ago and it mercifully has come to a conclusion and I feel like like everyone from Austin Eckler running for 11 yards off 10 carries like everything is just bottomed out with this team right now and it's time for a long winter's nap a lot, lot of a uh, lot of Jim Harbaugh chatter Jim's been trying to get back into the league for years uh, through, you know, dropping these sources and he interviewed with the Vikings and get that job. They gave it to O'Connell and he's coaching in the national championship on Monday. In the last so. championship on Monday, yeah. been suspended a couple times. It really sounds like that'll be his last game with Michigan and that the chargers, everyone's saying is interested in him. And I think if they're interested in him and they want to hire him, I think they, they probably can. Uh, so that'll be the next time we talk about the chargers. Most yes. likely. I, I got to think the chiefs are annoyed though at uh, the way the Sunday night game ended because the Dolphins coming into town feels much more difficult than the Steelers coming into town. Like, I'm annoyed at the Jaguars, first of all, for losing that game because it made the Sunday night game feel less important. It wasn't a win yeah, to go home some for of the, the Bills. Out of it it yeah. put the Steelers in early, so the Steelers weren't waiting to find out anything either. Uh, but the Chiefs, that that's a tougher matchup for them, Miami. I got to think they're a, a little more concerned with the Dolphins team coming in there than the Steelers. Um, I was hoping Jeff Smith was going to get a win uh, mm. before his interim run. Maybe ended. just make him head coach. You could, but he, they closed the season with five straight losses, oh, um, well. including three straight after Staley and Telesco got let go on December 15th. So the Chiefs, we will see. They they are, to me, the kind of X factor in the AFC. If they If they're true to their... Uh, form of this year, they'll have another disappointing offensive performance and they could be one and done. And that would be fitting. And that would make sense. I don't know. You never know. It's kind of crazy that like, do you think it's also possible they go on a run? 
absolutely based yeah, on sure it's possible immense history like yeah immense history yes i mean but just, that's all it's about it's not right. about anything we saw really on no, the field this year it would be surprising if they suddenly became electric well, and offense. patrick mahomes is is their quarterback it's fine right. no, but we've been saying that all year i know that's I know. why they are a tough one to figure out all right let's take a break and then we will keep rolling you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, let's keep moving here. Let's head to Cincinnati where the Bengals are looking to end their season with a winning record. The Browns, nothing to play for. First down and goal from the seven. Joe Mixon has one rushing touchdown so far here in the first quarter. He's in the backfield to the left of Jake Browning. Browning back at the 12, ready for the snap. Catches, looks left, Boom. goes to Mixon. Catches at the zone, <laughs> and he's into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. Boom. Joe Mixon with a touchdown run and a touchdown catch. And the Bengals are up by two TDs. Fun fact, Mark, Dave Lapham gets paid $327,000 a year just to go boom, boom. Well, I don't know who else you could put in that spot. So. No one. Yeah. Dan Horde with a call with Dave Lappin with the booms. WCKY. Jake Browning threw three touchdown passes. Joe Mixon rushed for a season high. Buck 11 and a score. Also caught that touchdown. The Bengals coast to a 31-14 win over the Browns. Uh, the Bengals uh, led this game 24-0 at halftime on a day when Cleveland locked into the fifth seed of the AFC, rested their key players on each side of the ball. Mark, since he misses out on the postseason, but they do finish nine and eight over 500, a nice achievement given, given the slow start. It was a horrendously slow start. And then of course the burrow injury that ended his season. It's also because they have a winning record. The first time that this division, uh, has all finished with a winning record since the version of this division that goes back to like 1930-something from something called the NFL West. I'd be curious so, how many divisions since the realignment know two. I think it's very, how, very How many times few. it's happened. It's, it's got to be it's a handful. This and that. Most. So uh, that's that's a, a nice finish for the Bengals on that note. I mean, this game had me wondering. Um, you know, in the old days, they would take like the NFV, NFL title team and have them go play um, sometime later in the winter, like a collection of like college all-stars. And that's yes. what I thought this game kind of was a test sample for a little bit. It was like every one of importance for the Browns was not on the field. And like the most dismayed, annoyed person to me seemed like Jim Schwartz, who had had this like pristine defense um, <laughs> and is watching like these mark, like, cause you know, they have like some of the stuff they've done goes back decades for this Browns team in terms of what they've achieved. After the first quarter, it was 159 yards to zero. Um, at halftime, it was 241 to, seven one, to 71. Jeff Driscoll throws an interception on the first pass of the game. Uh, Joe Mixon, he, I'm glad you mentioned him because he's one of them, all these players today, and they really dug in on, on, on this on these broadcasts. But because he crossed 1,000 yards, he triggered like a $350,000 bonus. And there's yeah. a bunch of players today going crazy. And like, um, everyone's very, and it's fine. Everyone's very open about with the celebrations now yeah, when they hit the trigger, the escalator, I guess it matters. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't like, honestly, it's like, you guess it matters. Well, no, I mean, 
that for, matters. For some of their salaries, it's 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 a portion, but like you know, bonuses are nice. We all feel no. that way. Um, Jackpot, baby! <laughs> I don't know what else to take from this game. It's like the you don't have to take it. The Bengals did their work, and Mark, the Cleveland was don't like have a, to dig for anything. It was it. it, it <laughs> the, my one thought was like you can't have I, even though it's week eighteen, you can't have too many of you can't have too many regular season games like this. It just was a weird setup. Like if you were if you paid yes. a lot of money to go to the stadium, it's it was just a strange. At you, least it was in Cincinnati. You're gonna have probably over under three a year and it's unfortunate you're right like you have to like the ticket payers either that's like the biggest game of the year or it's a guy who was on the cardinals practice squad literally two weeks ago draft the way it goes yeah yeah they signed him and started this game but yeah that it's the last time we'll see the bengals like this that's my only thought that you know mixon actually might be back but tyler boyd who had a big drop in this game had a really tough year higgins like this team is not going to be the same next year and it's weird because Zach Taylor did a good job coaching I think and he, I agree. he showed that this year it's also weird though that Jake Browning like and, and quarterback wins is not a stat but they had a winning record with Jake Browning they didn't with Joe Burrow they were they're 500 with Joe Burrow they were one over with Jake Browning so it's just that sort of weird season and yes the injury was a big part of that early even the first just, Burrow injury that's what I mean was the, a shell of himself. that's what I mean the first injury was about a part this? of him maybe Jack Jake Browning was playing early in the season there you go let Burrow get healthy they're in the dance, but they didn't, and they're not. Uh, let's move to Foxborough, where it was a potentially historic end of an era for the home team. High formation. Brees Hall, the eye back. Takes another handoff. Runs left. Finds some room. Gets free. Down the sideline Go goes Brees Hall. Inside the Go 30. Inside the 20. Breaks a tackle. 10. 5. Touchdown. That's an icing on the cake. Jet touchdown for Brees Hall. Snow Angels in the offensive end zone for the Jets. As bye they bye, Robert. this one away. I got to say, seeing Robert Kraft kind of slinking out of the box on the CBS telecast. Yeah, it cost us draft pick standings, but it's nice to just win up there. I don't want to be part of Bill Belichick's victory parade out of town, okay? No, the opposite occurred. Um, Brees Hall rushed for 174 yards and the clinching score on 37 carries. This Jets coaching staff drives me crazy, I think because they're trying to get him 1,000 yards, which he just missed. Um, But 37 carries in week 18 is wild. And the Jets snap a 15-game losing streak against the Patriots with a 17-3 win. Uh, it might be, probably is, Bill Belichick's final game with a team uh, for which he's lifted six Lombardi trophies and, and nine trips to the Super Bowl. The greatest run by a head coach ever. And uh, if this is the end for Belichick, and Jay Glazer of Fox reported Sunday morning that that is almost certainly the case here. It's just a matter of how it's going to end uh, it was a meek exit for the team that's just been a, a wretched team all year. They managed just 119 yards of total offense, which is the lowest in Belichick's 20-plus years on the sideline. It was bad weather there, but this is, you know, it's not just about the weather. This has been a bad offense all year. The Patriots went 4-13, and which is the worst record in Belichick's 29-year NFL coaching history. Mm. Um, and after the game, Bill was predictably tight-lipped on his you know, it's a disappointing year for all of us, um, players, coaches, staff, entire organization, um, and not not anything that any of us are in any way content with. So, um, but it is what it is. 
as far as the future goes, I'll sit down with Robert as I do every year at some point at the end of the season, and you know we'll talk about things as we always do. I'm sure that'll happen. Um, but that's really about all I have to say about that right now because there's nothing else to talk about. Uh, there's plenty to talk about, but he was also sick, by the way. That's why his voice sounded that way. I mean, it it doesn't sound like something that's going to happen like tomorrow morning. Like, it, it, and also, the other reports out there is if like if they move on from like their long targeted replacement would be Jared Mayo. So it's like you don't have to rush. You're not going to rush out and hire someone else necessarily. Um, he sounded defeated to me. It was a weird. It was a weird sight because it was obviously like, you know, Belichick. Um, not wearing his normal hoodie. He was like in a parka with his entire body and face covered in a blinding snowstorm. And, uh, and while the offense, which is not a 2023 offense, is going one for 14 on third down, um, you've got no answers at quarterback. Even if he were to stick around, there's a lot to work on. Yeah, I just, I don't, I never thought he was sticking around at any point in the last two and a half months. There's no reason to think that. When Robert Kraft looked out into the stands, if you're watching us on YouTube, we have a tweet of just, what the crowd looked like in this game. And yes, there's a snowstorm, but there's been a lot of snowstorms with full crowds. Right. If they were playing in meaningful football, there would be a full crowd. There were audible jets chants in this game. It, it was, was wild. It was empty at Gillette Stadium as Bill Belich. And it's fine. It, it's unfortunate it had to end this badly, but it usually ends badly. I'm, as a Patriots fan, just hopeful they kind of stick the landing of how this goes, that it's not rank you know there's not a lot of rancor and drama and bad blood and we'll see he called the 7 30 a.m press conference tomorrow bill belichick to say the, like the end of the year thing with the media on zoom so uh you know, Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy New Year, Mike Giardi. You're getting up early. Uh, I assume he's showing up for that because 7.30 a.m. You would, you, would, you would think nothing's happened by 7.30 a.m. It's, it's hard to, it, it's hard to imagine it, but like, you know, the Patriots first without Brady, but now without Belichick, if that's where this is going to go down. And I, you know, I was on a couple different fatalistic uh, Jets uh, text threads and Everybody's like, oh, they, they beat the Pats and now they're, they're going to get a big time quarterback. Well, maybe they have the third overall pick and, and maybe the Pats do, but they don't have Tom Brady anymore and they don't have Bill Belichick anymore. And it's a whole new era for the Patriots. It's not anything like it used to be. And they have to kind of start over most likely. And that's, that's a crazy thing. That is a crazy thing to think about because this franchise has been synonymous with stability and greatness for so long. And now they're kind of like everybody else just trying to figure out a quarterback, a coach, a decision maker when it comes to building a roster, it's a new day in New England. Right. I I look at the back on this podcast and the history of our podcast, at least if looked at in through one very specific prism, was the history of like saying that the Patriots era was over and then it wasn't like at various points believing, oh, is this the end of the Patriots right. era for it started in 2014? Is this the end of the Patriots era? It's, then we got to 2018. Wow. They got another Super Bowl. Is this the end the next year when they lost to the Titans in that final game and the dolphins in the final regular season? Okay. This is the end. And then it's like Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Now you look back and you think, wow, they had a winning record with Cam Newton and they made the playoffs <laughs> with Mac Jones. That was actually a good coaching job. And it's like, that's the end. And so it's just been like a successive like decline of uh, in decreasing returns on these endings. And I think it will be good. And that's why I'm not, totally in love with the Gerard Mayo idea and not sure I even totally buy it either because it feels like maybe just start totally anew. Mm. Start totally anew. Mm.
I don't know. I thought I'd. I thought <laughs> I don't know what. What happened? Corner the market with this one. You know, I thought I'll, <laughs> I'll lock up New England. It was going to be a rousing final <laughs> curtain call for yeah. Bill Belichick. And in, 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 you know, part of attached to that was like actually trying to wish well for the Jets who would have nice. a better draft pick. And, um, you know, as you told me when you came into the office today, don't put any of your fortunes uh, ever attaching them to the New York Jets. Don't. Just a terribly false. They're just not going to give you concept. what you want. They're not going that, to. That is one. I don't know much, but in my time on this earth, they're not, that team's not going to give you what you want. Even if it's a day where they won, they didn't give you what you wanted. They fell what? Yeah, from the sixth spot where the Giants will pick now to they're the, ten. the ten spot. Which is not insignificant, but. I got to say, like, that was the first time they beat him since I remember being in the old newsroom in Culver City when they had that overtime walk off with Eric Decker from Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's just nice. It's nice to win. Maybe this is part of getting older. I'm getting more closer to the Keith Hansa side of things. I don't want them to lose all the time. I just even if it hurt him, like it was nice winning that game and not letting it be this Belichick and craft party because I saw way too many of those over the last 20 years. Um, all right, let's uh, keep moving. Uh, let's go to Las Vegas where Antonio Pierce was trying to end his successful internship with a win. Aiden O'Connell starts the fourth, first and 10 on the 33. Pump fakes to the left, takes the shot, deep down the left sideline, open man at the five is Myers, catches, walks in, touchdown Raiders! The pump fake throws the defense and Myers down the sideline. He has run one in, he has caught one, and the Raiders in full control here on the first play of the fourth quarter. Former Patriot Jacoby Myers had a nice uh, debut season with the Raiders. He had two touchdowns, and uh, yes, Antonio Pierce uh, does get yet another win to close out the season. 27-14, to 14, the Raiders beat the Broncos on a day in which uh, Aiden O'Connell threw for 244 yards and two scores. Uh, Zamir White went over 100 yards, uh, and that is eight straight wins for the Raiders over the Broncos, including all four wins since they moved uh, to Vegas. So these are two teams, eight and nine, uh, in, a, in a division that is still the Chiefs' division, uh, but the Chiefs came back to the pack a little bit this year. The interesting offseason ahead for both teams, neither going to the playoffs. Neither intrigued me on any level um, in terms of like what happened today. I, I, I've I, kind of been pitching, and I think that Antonio Pierce deserves a long look. I think he'll get one. Uh, it depends who else is out there for Mark Davis to consider. I mean, they, they flat out just played better under him. I mean, even to like lose Josh Jacobs and have someone like Zamir White come in and run the way he did. Um, their defense, we talked about like leading in points per game allowed since he's taken over. These things are tangible evidence that the team is playing hard for him uh you know i to me it's like I, I don't know what else you could have asked an interim to come in and do um that still may not be enough right he's five and four uh <laughs> as as the interim head coach neither of these teams deserve to have a winning record so i like that he put i'm that trying to figure out what that night. means what does that mean again they're just celebrating right the congratulations to their oh the pierce oh, oh. i've been okay. sitting on that for weeks the bazaar bum but i'm like oh i love Dan, it i have a cork <laughs> bottle popping and i'm like Pierce okay. pop. That's on me. I should it's have known because you did tell me that, <laughs> and I love it. The Pierce pop. Absolutely, there's been a Pierce pop this year. I do like that Sean Payton said he, all week it was very important to, for them to finish with a winning record. This game mattered a Eat lot it. to him, and then uh, he ate it. I think it's fair for Broncos fans to 
you know, it, I wanted them to curb their optimism a little bit because I'm not sure where this organization is going. Either one of these teams. But here's what I know, Broncos fans. If you lose eight straight games to the Raiders in the 2020s, hmm. you're a disgrace. Oh, yeah. They, mean, know they, 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 know they lost eight Bad. straight to the Raiders. That's so random. They know that. Bad. Bad. They what? do better against what? the Chiefs. What? 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 Bizarre. What? And the crowd was chanting AP with 101 to play, according to the AP. Nice oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And yeah, on wow. the way into the stadium, all, there were all these fans there that were like had signs up for Antonio Pierce and all this stuff as he's driving in. They know the way he drives in and he parks his car, gets out of the car and goes around and hugs like 50 of them. That's the sign of a man who's like, this guy, Mother Teresa. What's I don't know. He's just like, I don't know if I'm going like, to get to do this ever again in, in my life. I'm going to enjoy it and thank these people very nice. uh, for giving me some Pierce pop. Pierce pop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is the AFC. We're going to take a break, and then we'll hit the NFC side of things. You see, it's a tournament, and there's an American football conference and a national football conference, and they have their own tournament, and the winners of the respective tournaments, they play in the big one. I, I hope that there's someone out there that did not know that, that you actually just taught them that that would be. Well, I've, I've taught my sons that, and mm. kind of when you first become cognizant, to the way the conference structure works. It's, it's a pretty big thing. Yeah, They're it's like, confusing. Oh. Yeah. They're still trying to f- figure this out. It's so, like, both tournaments are very exciting. Mm-hmm. And then to have the winner mm-hmm. of Keep each going. tournament yep. face off mm-hmm. in a bowl game. In its own tournament. A tournament of one game. And a Super Bowl of champions. It's a Super Bowl. Pretty out there. Mark, do you want us to continue to talk about this? <laughs> I Yes, absolutely. How about let's take a break. We'll talk during the break about it. Okay. And then we'll hit the NFC. Let's go. Which is the other conference. (laughs) Correct. All right. We'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Right, welcome back. Yes, we just took a stroll through the AFC in this, the final week of the regular season. Playoff football just ahead. Now let's dive into the NFC side of things. And let us start with some business. The business of winning divisions, okay? Mm. And, and that starts in Landover where the Dallas Cowboys, and this is unlikely. Nobody saw this coming. The Dallas Cowboys, who seemed to be locked into that number five seat a couple of weeks ago, nobody realized the depth of Philadelphia's issues. The door opens for the Cowboys. All they have to do is beat the lowly commanders. Could they get it done? Let's go. Prescott's in the gun, back to throw, looking right. Scrambles left, still got it, scrambles back right, throws it in the end zone, caught for a touchdown in the back of the end zone by C.D. Lamb. I see you, you see me. (laughs) What is up with that one? Brad Sham, the Sham God, friend of the show. KRLD, Dak Prescott to C.D. Lamb, unstoppable. Lamb put the finishing touches on one of the great 
statistical seasons ever by a wide receiver, hauling in 13 passes for 98 yards and two more touchdowns. By the way, like I said the other day, he scored in nine straight games. And running backs, you see stuff like that, quarterbacks. But a wide receiver scoring in nine straight games, that's wild. And the Cowboys roll the Commanders 38-10 as they were supposed to, to claim the NFC East title from those free-falling Eagles who we're going to get to in a bit. The two-seed Cowboys will host the seven-seeded Packers next weekend, and that is a spicy meatball, my friends. It is an extremely spicy meatball, and we'll have a week to talk about that the Packers and Matt LaFleur could get their old uh, buddy McCarthy fired if they win that game. Uh, But for tonight... The Cowboys should enjoy it because this is progress, even though it's the Eagles that kind of open like, the you door. You get fired in a week, but enjoy this moment. Yes. Right. Well, that's <laughs> I, I'm not reporting anything in particular. No, like, it's it's out there. Schefter, yeah. Ian, they're basically saying like it'll depend on how the playoffs go. So you can draw your conclusions. But this was a different Cowboys season. They did take care of big business in like important spots consistently. Uh, Dak Prescott just preposterous today. Five and. Five uh, incompletions, four touchdowns. Yeah, and he's he's throwing the ball with like 10 minutes to go in the game, and, and they're up three or four scores. And You had a good theory why, the way. Well, I was wondering at a yeah. certain point, because we saw it a lot this this week with um, guys looking to hit escalators in their contract and, and hit certain numbers. I was like, are they trying to get him another touchdown in case this MVP vote comes down to him versus Lamar? Because I think he is, um, Dak, uh, probably not going to win MVP, but I think he's going to come in second place. And he, he didn't get that extra touchdown, but... He stayed healthy. That's a very important aspect of this for the Cowboys who get out of this game um, as of, from what I saw as we are recording this shortly after the game uh, without any serious injuries. Micah Parsons laughing on the sideline in the fourth quarter. Um, as I said, C.D. Lamb, unbelievable uh, what he's been able to do. And, you know, it is a different Cowboys team. And we might be saying something totally different if they lay an egg next week. But this regular season was different because they did find a way to steal that division. They, the team that took care of business today, I feel like other Cowboys teams in the past, this game is 13-10 early in the fourth quarter. And, and in this game, mm-hmm. in the second quarter, the commanders are ahead, but the, you could sense there was no panic. They go ahead on a long drive, get a turnover right before the half, and then punch it in again with Lamb's first touchdown of the day, and the game's effectively over at halftime. So... Good job by the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and we see what comes next. Because I think, I think one and done obviously would be totally unacceptable, Mark, for this team. Um, do you have to get to the NFC title game where they haven't been in 28 years? Is that what saves Mike McCarthy's job? But I think there's something odd and off-putting to me, and you know I'm a Zaddy fan, that that's, that's what we're talking about right now because they've had such a big-time year, and the playoffs are a crapshoot, and they're playing a big-time team next week. I think the Packers are a very good opponent. They are. I would say the reason that dynamic exists is because we see this Cowboys team as one that should win multiple playoff games. They, they really should. They, they are different to me. Last year's team tripped up against Washington in the finale and then stumbled in the playoffs in extraordinary fashion for the second year in a row. Um, it would be pretty stunning if this team went and did that because I think that part of their DNA is not present right now. I know they've had some, a couple weeks that make you question everything, but to me right now, I think it was a question of balance with the Cowboys. Like, are you going to continue to get run over on the ground by teams with the, with the ground game? And today, I know it's not a great Washington offense, but they put the clamps down on that. And I thought we saw a better version, at least, 
for stretches of this game of Tony Pollard. I, he's not the guy that you thought he'd be or you'd, who you'd he had want. a huge first but half. He did. He had like 50-something yeah. yards, and, you know, it, it, he made a difference. And I think that aspect, because they're going to get into t- some tight spots, like if you can be balanced in those two areas, it makes Dak Prescott, who is playing out of his mind right now, all that much better. Right. Stefan Gilmore did have his shoulder pop out of place, he said, during the game, and then he didn't return. But he says he popped it back in, and oh, he, yeah. he says he'll be fine uh, for next week. He was in a sling on the sideline, but he was kind of chuckling it up on the sideline. No, yeah, so. he said after the game yeah. he, he should be fine. I'm with you. The, the run game matters. Uh, CeeDee Lamb's numbers that you mentioned, 134 catches, 1,749 yards, and 12 and he caught that's, all 13 of his targets. That's, that is an outrageous uh, season, and it's hard to take too much out of the Cowboys here because this the commanders are have been the biggest dead team walking in the league. Ron Rivera saying after the game he didn't know when he was going to meet with ownership, but you would think that is going to come on Monday before we do our next show. Mm-hmm. The Black Monday show. And uh, after that week six loss to the Niners is when, and they said it during the telecast today, which I hadn't heard, but maybe I did, but, you know, so much stuff comes through, across our desk throughout the season that, C.D. Lamb went into Mike McCarthy's office after they got blown out by the Niners and said, you got to start treating me like a true number one. You got to get me the rock. And he had 1,300 yards after week six. (laughs) I mean, this is, that's an all-time season. And if he doesn't win an offensive player of the year, um, it wouldn't be a travesty. But I think, I think he definitely. He surged into that role. Yeah. In a very serious way now. Taking CMC. And and that's a fair or pick. Or maybe Tyreek. Tyreek is a fair pick, but I think CeeDee Lamb cannot be overlooked at this point. Uh, one last note on the Sunday night football pregame telecast. Mike Florio, um, your old boss, Greggy, reported that commander's owner Josh Harris is, quote, enamored with the idea of Bill Belichick as his next head coach. So. I've now heard this from different reporters of like just throwing it like out there. Yeah, this was your boss though. Four enamored different teams, four different, you know, and maybe they all are. Enamored. He was once enamored with Greg, uh, Mike Florio. So and these then, are, well, things then, change. And then he was very much <laughs> not enamored when, when things changed. Then I came to around the NFL. What a, what a great moment. decision. What, what a, a flashpoint in my life. That was, um, all right, let's keep <laughs> moving on. So the lions entered week 18, hoping to move up to the number two seed, which obviously now we know that the Cowboys are there, but it didn't matter that Dan Campbell was going to play his starters. And let's see what happened against the team of around the NFL. Jared takes turns, fakes the gift sets in the pocket. Jared drifts left. Look, look. Now he throws downfield. It is caught left sideline cutting back. That is Amon Ross St. Brown angling at the 25 to the 20 to Go. the 15 cuts back at the 10. Amon the five fighting at the two no. into the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Oh, baby. What Sorry, a Mark. run by Amon Ross St. Brown angling across the field, cutting it back 70 yards from Jared Goff. I just in the corner of my eye, I see Mark shaking his head. Mark, genuinely upset. I'm not upset at all. I actually just, I just imagine like the actual announcing crew in right. the booth, and then you're just behind them, like <laughs> screaming something. I am. I'm like the fans that yeah. you hear behind, sure. under Dan Miller's voice. No drink dumped on you. <laughs> Wish I had a drink right now. Amon Ross St. Brown from 70 yards out because Dan Campbell doesn't rest his starter. Dan Campbell doesn't rest. Period. Jared Goff threw a couple touchdown passes. And the Lions close out a fine regular season with a 30-20 to 20 win over the Vikings. Yes, the three-seeded Lions. So it ended up they couldn't move because Cowboys wouldn't let it happen. 
Still finished 12 and 5, Greggy. That matches their 1991 team win total all time. Wow. Played an extra game this year, but still, they will host a playoff game for the first time since the 1993 season. Mark, that's ca- that's camp happiness territory. It is. It's back in that zone. Uh, when they were playing at the old Pontiac Silverdome, uh, their opponent at Ford Field will be the Rams and former wild. franchise cornerstone Matt Stafford. You got to love that. Uh, but, Greggy, Campbell's aggressive decision to play his starters did prove costly. Yeah, Sam Laporta's injury to me was the most important part of this game. Uh, A knee injury that Dan Campbell said after the game was not as bad uh, as they feared, uh, but it was bad. Right. And the reporting indicates it's some sort. He they called it a a, or Ian called it a bone bruise and and something else. Hyperextension. Hyperextension. But it can cost you weeks. Sounded like he would probably miss a game, which is really disappointing and and it wasn't the only injury in this game brian branch left uh but was gonna it says after the game that he's gonna be fine and then khalif raymond who played a really big part in this game also was injured and that one did not look good and you think okay khalif raymond good returner kind of a speed threat but not that important he was important today because jameson williams is also injured right now and maybe jameson williams will be back and raymond was playing that role and raymond's punt return and his 41-yard catch were monster plays in a game that the Lions always felt like they had. They were up two scores most of the game. But it didn't look like two teams that were wildly uneven. The The Vikings ended up tallying up in uh, true Nick Mullins fashion, 448 yards. He had 396. And they the two teams were kind of going back and forth. And the Lions getting it done when they needed to. So that is disappointing. I don't kill... Dan Campbell for playing his guys. It happens, but this was close to the the worst uh, case scenario. And as Lions fans, I can hear you in my head right now pointing out Khalif Raymond would have been playing in this game. Yes, you can't avoid injuries. Khalif Raymond, for instance, uh, would have been playing. Lynn Laporta, maybe he would have been playing too because they already have injuries at tight end. You can only sit so many players, but it was just a... And in fairness, Mark, yes. they were playing for something. Yes. They were, yeah. Uh, they had a chance, if things <laughs> went, to move up a spot. And, and if you're the two seed... You know, you're one major upset away from maybe hosting the NFC title game. So it didn't work out. Uh, you understand the frustration by certain corners of Lions fandom, but ultimately it's this is the game and it, and it comes with a risk. Well, and, and the Dan Campbell Lions have an inherently aggressive approach to everything. So it would have been atypical for them to, to pull. You're watching Philadelphia get waxed on the scoreboard and the Cowboys commanders game was close for a stretch at least. And so you, you keep going with those guys. I mean, I cannot stand what happened to Laporta though, because this came on a day where his touchdown catch, um, his 82nd catch of the season broke Keith Jackson's rookie tight end receiving record. He's been so important to them. The lions, just the way that they're built, they are, they are four different players with 10 plus scrimmage touchdowns, uh, which is the second most by any team in NFL history. They're really balanced. They're really constructed. They've been healthy outside of losing some running back play here and there. They've been really healthy. So to lose Laporta like a week before the biggest Lions game in decades is highly unfortunate. Yeah, their run game was very blah today. So that was a little, I wouldn't say worrisome, but it was atypical of what they've been uh, throughout the season. But Gibbs did get a touchdown and him and Laporta are the first rookie teammates ever to have 10 touchdowns. In a season. How about that? Aiden Hutchinson's, I think, had two of his best games, if not the best games of his career in back-to-back weeks. He was dominant in this game. So they do have uh, a lot of positives, but I'm sure there's plenty of Lions fans out there that see Matthew Stafford on the horizon. And 
they think, oh, isn't that fitting? We have to get, we have to get over this hump. How about uh, that? How well, about that? There was one amazing little tidbit that happened in this game. Yes. That, you know, and this is a very Dan Campbell thing, too. He had Dan Skipper come in and report eligible, yeah. and then he caught a pass on a, on a drive that resulted in a touchdown a and couple plays later. A couple plays later, it was Dan Campbell in motion, essentially playing a tight end with a huge block that set up David Dan Montgomery Campbell. for the touchdown. Dan Skipper, okay, so rather. That would be even more impressive. Sorry, yeah. It was the Dan Skipper drive. He gets the catch, he gets the block, um, and we say goodbye to... Uh, uh, you know, what wasn't the best decision in the world to go uh, team of ATL for the Vikings, but you win some, you lose some. We thought we'd have Justin Jefferson this whole time, and he was a little in and out. He did get 12 for 192 in this game. He has over 1,000 yards. This this stat is better than a yeah. lot of these Lions stats because all these stats are like, oh, we got to 17 games. He's one of only three receivers in NFL history to top 1,000 yards in 10 games or less. And yeah. the other two were like, you know, like Connor O. McGillicke in like 1941. I'll say this a real person. And so Jefferson, this is from uh, the 33rd team on Twitter. Um, he missed seven games. As you said, he missed parts of two other games <laughs> right? Uh, to still break 1000 yards. Um, and to, to, to put a, a final period on the team of ATN. I think if the quarter, if, if Dobbs continued to play well, that's a whole were, other situation. That's what oh, we sure. were projecting sure. and, and, and hanging our hat on. And I think they would have been, they would have been one of the teams that, you know, they could have been the Packers, but instead Dobbs faltered and then they, they kind of ran out of juice. So that's also what makes what Jefferson's achievement that like he played with in yeah. a total quarterback tornado. They collapsed. Yeah. I mean, that was, this was the ultimate Mullins game. He got three ninety six, like, uh, but a couple late touchdowns. Oh, Dan and, Campbell, Dan Skipper, Dan Hansis. Also big news here. Cause I'm on a roll now in the locks, and I think I just moved past the sus dog in the old. Oh, standards. a disaster occurred on my on my side of things. <sighs> Daddy Rich making a move for that right, silver right. medal. I'm actually glad it worked <laughs> out for you, so we don't have to. It's it's, it's just it's better this way. <laughs> All right, let's uh, keep moving. So, let's what is, what else is going on in the NFC? Yeah, those those Eagles. So they were at the mercy of the Cowboys, um, but it's important to know that the Eagles and Cowboys kick off at the same time. Eagles don't know what, what's going to happen. You know, they they go out and take care of business against the Giants, and then you hope for the best. They did not take care of business. Everything everything that you can go wrong around the Eagles right now, it's Murphy's Law. Taylor missed it last week. Curse of Domelert. Taylor back to throw. He's under pressure. He escapes to his left. Now pitches it for Slayton. He's to the 10, to the 5, in for the touchdown. Tyron at the last second. Just threw it out to Slayton. It was wide open. Darius Slayton's fourth touchdown catch of the season. And with 147 to go in the half, the Giants are taking it to the Eagles. It's now 23 to nothing. <laughs> See, I kind of missed you in that call, Dan. Now it sounded so silent. You know. See, and ironically, I'm mad at you for talking over Sid. But Mark, I know where you're coming from. There you go. Perspective. Hit Sid again. Let's hit that again. Flashpoint focus this week on the Eagles. How bad can it get? It kept it keeps getting worse because they go down 24 nothing at the half at the Meadowlands to a bad Giants team and they lose 27 to 10. Uh so they are uh on the road at Tampa next weekend. 
And uh, Mark, I mean, listen, you tell us because uh, we know there's injuries on top of this. AJ Brown goes out of this game. Jalen Hurts. You 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 can fill us in on all that. Uh, but how could you have any confidence in this team, healthy or not, uh, after what we've seen this last month or so? No, our flashpoint um, came at a at days before uh, what would be the most concerning performance yet for the Philadelphia Eagles. Prescient. And it's yes, because that's how that that series works. Um, a disastrous start to the game. After they punt on their opening drive, on the second march, um, after the Giants punted, they go down the field. A.J. Brown makes a catch and is wired up in, in a couple of defenders, goes down and limps off the field with a knee injury. Um, he's ruled as questionable and not too much later ruled out. And so suddenly you have a team that shows you what, how they can get out of a jam when you didn't have Devonta Smith to start in this game. You lose Brown, and the offensive line that we've trusted all along was barraged and ransacked by the Giants. They had like 10 pressures on Hurts in the first 20 minutes of the game. Uh, I mean, he was beat up on the next drive. They're down 3 nothing, and they go forward on 4th and 3 from their own 48, and Hurts didn't, misconnects on a pass to Dallas Goddard, and Hurts walks off the field with his like left pinky looking all crinkled and jammed up. And so it's like suddenly Hurts is going into the tent, He's banged up. Crinkled and, and jammed up. That does not it, sound it, good. I mean, it looked it looked bad. I was like, I don't know if he's going to come back in the it game. It looked dislocated is what it looked like. It was facing the wrong direction. But he did come back in. And in fact, like Nick Sirianni. Kind <laughs> totally of, crinkled. He was somewhat like optimistic about Hurts like after the game. But but, but we'll see. But In Brown, for that matter. It, well, yeah, but Brown's looked bad. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with that. But Garofolo it, says uh, not believed to be serious. Yeah, so it's like, it, the, it's not just that, though. The defense which has been run over left and right. I mean, today it was different. Like Tyrod Taylor, who left the game multiple times too, is winging the ball downfield. They put up 272 yards in the first half against the Eagles, who managed only 102 of their own. Hertz and the entire offense and most of the starters are pulled before halftime because they're watching the score of the Cowboys game and the score of their own game, and they're watching their starting quarterback be dismantled behind their offensive line. Right. You, you, you would have thought they would have pulled their starters because they had such a big lead. They pulled their starters because they were already trailing by so much they had no chance to win. And the Brown injury is concerning, although you know, Mike Garofolo, again, saying it's not believed to be serious. Reed Blankenship, who's really important in that secondary, uh, left the game with an injury. And Cam Jurgens, their guard, left a game with an injury. So they didn't even sit those offensive linemen until Hurts left. And I, I think we can say enough here the Matt Patricia thing is a it's disaster. Not yeah. Like it got worse. Stunner. <laughs> so that, I mean, and now listen, and we try not to be overly reactionary, but you ask the questions about what, what happens if the season ends worst case scenario. Well, we just completed a meltdown uh, where they lose five of six to close the regular season. If they go down to Tampa and things stay ugly, the, the, it, it can get catastrophic for people connected to that team uh, in a paid. It's it's like the fifth manner. or sixth game in a row where you're just, you're getting shots of Jalen Hurts on the sideline, a thousand yard stare into a total abyss beyond an orchard. It's, I mean, it's just totally bizarre, like team to where they were a month and a half ago to here. Right. They always were not as good as their record. And, and I've seen some things as like, look, they were never that good. They were always, you know, their point differential and their DVOA was always like between eight and 10. It's like, 
Yeah, but they weren't getting blown out by the Giants and losing to the Cardinals without a single, without forcing a single punt. Like these last couple of weeks, it's gone right. to a whole new level of dysfunction that's really rare for a team that had their record. In fact, it's unprecedented that a team that had a 10 and one record or better finished the season and, this bad. And just like 10 and one didn't seem right. This doesn't seem right either that they right. would be this bad. So the truth is somewhere in, in between, but the question now begins becomes, and this will be the biggest challenge Nick Sirianni, Sirianni's had is how do you get this team to flush this and show up and, and ball out? Now, the one thing we do know, and again, we have a week to talk about this. They've been through the wars. They nearly won a Super Bowl last year. And when the lights go on and they have a big playoff game, maybe things change. But man, you, it's at the point now where you can't be surprised if things don't change because this just feels like a team that's in a free. Fall. It just feels like all aspects of the team are crumbling. Right. We'll see. We should note Devonta Smith was not healthy enough to play this game, which that's a concern. DeAndre Swift uh, had an illness, which you wouldn't think would keep him out next week, but he also missed this game. So they were they were short uh, quite a few of their skill players. All right, that was Bob Papa with what the ball, by the way. What if the was mad cow disease? I mean, you don't know. Then, we don't know what, how, what, yeah, that would be trouble. You just don't, we don't know. Like you, they, We never find out what that is when they say illness. It's not a knee or a... Mad cow that. disease. That was quite a thing. And then Y2K came, and that was like the other big story in that era. You know, it was just like all these things that we couldn't control. Well, that was a bit fugazi. I usually think it's COVID, but for some reason, like they can't, you know, no one can say right. COVID anymore. It went from like yeah. all, all these rules of a million different things to follow to, to be able to play in the game. So just, you can't even admit it. You, That's I mean, the cleanest way to <laughs> move on. Remember when they're cloning Dolly? They cloned the, uh, the lamb too. Right. But, um, late nineties, man. I'm sure they've been cloning all sorts of things. We don't know. About. <laughs> uh, all right. We mentioned the bucks. The Eagles will play the bucks in Tampa. Uh, but the, the Bucks had to take care of their own damn business in Charlotte to win the division and punch their ticket. Let's go to that. Buccaneer defense needs to buckle up now. First down, hey 15. Carolina, good snap, chest high, pressure coming. Ball stripped away, stripped away, and oh. recovered by the Buccaneers. Quarterback sack, oh. JTS, JTS with a sack and a strip, and the Bucks recover those ball. Dude. Gene Digger off with the call. Chase Chase McLaughlin kicked three field goals. The defense pitches a shutout, including that strip of poor Bryce Young. And the Bucks beat the Panthers 9-zip uh, to win their third straight NFC South title. Huh, that's a little surprising, but they were, I think, under 500 last year, but they won the division and then got killed in the playoffs. Big-time Brady year the year before. That was kind of legitimate. And this year they found a way, nine and eight. So they win the division, even though um, Greg uh, Baker throws just for uh, 137 yards. And, and this is a game that going into the fourth quarter, I believe, is maybe six nothing. Yeah. So not exactly how, how you want to punch your ticket, but ultimately it doesn't matter. The Bucks have and they get the very vulnerable Eagles in their house next week. It matters if Baker Mayfield plays the way he played today next week. One of maybe the worst games of the year, I would say, for Baker Mayfield. 3.3 yards per play. Oh, my goodness. Uh, in terms of their passing. Uh, Does he look hurt? I don't think so, because he was throwing the ball so He got whacked like, in that fast. In last at, week. Yeah, at the very end, uh, he did have a... He has this rib injury, so maybe that is all it. Uh, some of it was decisions. Some of them were just bad throws, like missing deep throws by a lot. The Panthers actually got their hands on seven different Baker Mayfield passes. I counted four or five, which 
legit could have been intercepted and this game would have been totally different. Wow. There's also some bad fumble luck. If you watch this game, you, you don't come away thinking the Bucks were any better than the Panthers, but they, they avoided big time mistakes. And yeah, that sequence, we just heard that forced fumble. That was kind of the Panthers in a nutshell. The play before that forced fumble that all but ended the game, the Panthers had scored their first touchdown since Christmas Eve on a running play to Chuba, Chuba Harvard, but they called an illegal formation. It was the right call, but they like had an illegal formation on like a 30 yard rush. So you went from a touchdown to the next play. Bryce Young fumbles it. Bryce Young did not top a hundred yards. Greg. Yes. Greg, I'm going to tee you up here because I know uh, certain people, if they align themselves with you going into this game are feeling good. Yeah. You have, so you have a, a touchdown that gets called back. Yeah. And you have DJ Shark doing the old I'm leaping for the pylon and then getting the ball knocked away and turning into a turnover at the goal line. That was the Antoine Winfield in one of the plays of the year. He, he did that early this season. I think, was it against the Falcons? I don't remember. And he did it late. That, that probably should have been the highlight. Antoine Winfield saving the touchdown. So so they have essentially two touchdowns yes. wiped away. They lose 9 nothing. I mean, uh, you have lived a blessed existence in 2023. And the Rainmaker... He is just, he is living it up as well, just like your picks. Four and a half points, no problem for the Bucks. No sweat. I got some great I mean, messages. You really stepped in it this year, man. You are having a wonderful season of good fortune and good picks. I mean, this was good fortune watching it. They were very lucky, but it was great to hear from uh, Rainmaker Nation out there. Eric, I think we have some tweets we can fly oh, out. Oh, no. Uh, one, one fan, uh, Richard, says, I can now fix my teeth. Oh, Thanks, nice. Triple G. That feels good. That's good. Uh, and then from David, my eight-year-old being able to eat supper. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Dave. It you're must saving, feel good. You're saving yeah. families. You're saving people's aesthetic, you know, uh, look. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to say. And uh, it's your your season of picks, no matter what they may be. You've just been spot on. This one felt like money in the bank, but, but the Bucks finding a way to make it interesting. Uh, that is, that's the game I think that is the hardest for me to pick early on. Just like first glance, Bucks. Eagles, I feel like it can go in about five different right, ways. Because don't forget the Bucks got whacked by the Saints a week ago, too. Yeah, I mean, that's too you, bad can, you can like talk about the fact that like you probably only need to score three points against the Panthers. They've been eight scoreless quarters in a row. That's ridiculous. And that in their season, like nosedives into into darkness. And we get that. But like Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans and Godwin had a pretty good connection in chemistry throughout their hot streak of late. And in the last two games, it's been not that way at all. And Baker Mayfield today did not com complete a pass over 10 air yards. 0 for 8 on those passes. Maybe it is the injury. I don't know. You, it, there's nothing that you would have seen with your eyes that you would have been able to right. tell, but he certainly missed a lot of throws. But this is also who the Bucks and Baker have been this year. They've gone through they're hot, cold, hot, and now they're a little bit cold, but they, they are in the playoffs, so that's a, that's a, that's a victory. I and will say when he's had upper body injuries before and he continued to play like in Cleveland when he had that one season that led to his dismissal, like it absolutely affected his throws and who he was in general. Right. He, there's some players that maybe play well through injury and he, sh he should be yeah, right. appreciated that he's playing through injury, but there's other players that don't play and as well through injury. He's undersized. So you take away a little velocity, a little zip. It can make a, a big difference. All right. I'm glad Winfield, by the way, got that play and yes. a, a huge sack in this game. He did not make the pro bowl. That somehow, is, and yet I think he'll be the first team all pro. So I think people will notice from this game. He was the difference in this game. All right, let's uh, take a break and we will uh, continue our way through the NFC. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, welcome back. We keep on rolling. So we entered Sunday week 18 with a, a messy NFC South and both the Falcons and Saints uh, in contention for the playoffs. Uh, only one team was going to still be in contention after uh, the game at the Superdome. Let's, let's head there now. Second and 10 from the 39. Carr, play action. Stands. Now throws towards the end zone and looking for Shahid. And Shahid will come down with the football. Derek Carr, first to Olave, then to Rashid Shahid. <laughs> Mike Haas with a call, WWL. Greg, you would love to watch this game in real time. It was very uh, interesting NFC South affair between two teams that don't like each other, and that's only going to get deeper after what happened on Sunday after Derek Carr throws four touchdown passes to lead the Saints to a 48-17 to win over the Falcons. Uh, Atlanta mercifully was put to rest with the loss. Saints were alive until the Bucs uh, beat the Panthers. So both teams missed the playoffs, but it is the Saints that close strong 9-8. Uh, and eight. Uh, I think it's probably going to save Dennis Allen's job. We're going to get to Dennis Allen uh, in a second here. Uh, but let's start with uh, what they were able to do in this game, uh, which is what we saw down the stretch with the, with Derek Carr and the offense just kind of improving in this last month. And, and Carr was very sharp in this game. Without Alvin Kamara, he was able to move move the team. Chris Olave had another touchdown. Uh, you saw the Taysom Hill being worked in the way when this offense was going right, and he was making things happen. Uh, and, and when I think about this game, the other thing I'm going to think, Greg, is Arthur Smith. And um, there is, a, there is a, a moment at the end of the game that we're going to talk about. But first, I want to talk about when I think Arthur Smith lost his job. Mm. It is uh, the inflection point of this game. It's 31 to 17 in the third quarter with 3-16 to play. And the Falcons have first and goal at the New Orleans 10. Uh, they line up, Greg and Mark. Four times in shotgun, uh, and Cordell Patterson gets the ball twice on runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Desmond Ritter uh, passes to Drake London for a two-yard gain, and then on fourth and two from the two-yard line, once again at a shotgun, Desmond Ritter throws the ball, and uh, Bijan Robinson kind of open, but he throws it well behind Robinson, who doesn't even have a chance, and it's nearly a pick six. Turnover on downs. That was the, as close as uh, Atlanta would ever get. And for Bijan not to touch the ball in that sequence, it was just like everything that's wrong with this team, everything that's wrong with the play calling and the usage of the best players that thought was on display. And sure enough, you kind of felt the air come out of the balloon for Atlanta, who mm. just got spanked the rest of the way. And the game ends uh, in, a, in a funky way um, because uh, in the final seconds, it is 41 to 17. The Saints have the ball at the goal line. They are in a kneel down uh, uh, formation, but they hand the ball off to Jamal Williams, who set the Lions touchdown record last season. I knew, by the way, I was like, how did this happen? Because Dennis, Dennis Allen says after the game, that was not the call. 
That knucklehead Jameis Winston's on the field. He's the they, perfect it, person to and, do this. And the, and, the, and the huddle, they decide Jamal, who doesn't have a touchdown this season after setting the Lions record, we need to give him a touchdown. And that leads to this interaction between Arthur Smith and Dennis Allen at midfield in the moments after the game. Career. Oh, and Arthur Smith's hot that Dennis Allen scored a touchdown at the end. He is hot. He said, what are you doing? And he's going at Dennis <laughs> Allen. You can read his lips and you know. And I think he's got a right, by the way, to do that. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, and uh, he, it's effing bull s he says and then after the game here is dennis allen uh on uh that final touchdown we should have taken a knee right there um you know they asked me about getting jamal a touchdown at the end um i said i wanted to take a knee we put victory out there and um the guys kind of wanted to get him a touchdown and they they did that on their own that's not that's unacceptable and and it's such a bad look for allen Right. So it, it's uh, you feel I actually feel bad and I'm not a big Arthur Smith fan, but you feel bad for Arthur Smith because he knows he's probably getting fired away this season ended. And then to ha- get kind of spit in your face in the last uh, minute of the game that way. But then Dennis Allen is saying he's a probably saying I understand that he's saying to uh, Smith at midfield. But Dennis Allen is showing that the players don't respect him and will just audible out of a kneel down to get their buddy a touchdown. I was what a mess. It is amazing. NFC South, folks. It's so safe. They finished their season playing their absolute best. Getting their uh, arch rival coach probably out fired, winning by 30, and yet yet they aren't going to end up making the playoffs, and that this is going to be the image that they have leaving the season, apologizing for the last touchdown and a win. And I was kind of wondering, because I had the same reaction to you, like, man, this makes him look like his players don't respect him. Am I overreacting? I saw this tweet from Ben Watson, who's a saint for a long time, a Walter Payton man of the year uh, type of guy. And he he wrote out, if your players or assistant coaches don't run the plays you call, you've already lost your team. If you're comfortable enough to tell the world about it, there's no turning back. <laughs> and I think that does kind of sum up Dennis Allen. Yeah, I think like I, I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes in terms of like why there's this presumption that like, we don't take a hard look at Dennis Allen and what he actually is because this always felt like a team that was just sort of like, we're, we're willing to be milk toast this year. Uh, and he is the perfect coach for a team like that. Um, I don't, it depends on who becomes available, but why are you not always looking to get better? I would say, though, if for the, the bright note for the Saints, because like a month ago, the whole Derek Carr thing was becoming so ponderous. And it was like, talk about quarterback health. Like he played through a lot of pain and it affected his play the same way we say with potentially with Baker. Um, he's been really, really good over the last five games, multiple touchdowns in each of those games. He looked lights out today. And so you go into an off season where you don't have to like have him be the center point of every conversation. There's other things to focus on. They won four or five to close the season. So this is in defense of Dennis Allen. They did get the ship um, back, uh, uh, you know, over the the sea line. I don't know what that means. Uh, The ship was sinking. He was able to get it to the shore. It, It doesn't matter because they don't get the help they need from the outside. But the, the stuff with Derek Carr is always frustrating me because I know he's not a superstar, but when he was getting buried during the season is like, what a, what a bad teammate, what a bad quarterback. It's like, there are a lot worse guys than Derek Carr. Now there are better guys and they have to make a decision, I guess at some point, although I know this contract is, I mean, the money cumbersome yeah, for them. The money is tough. To um, well. He's going to be, there. you want to shoot higher down the line, but like there are many other areas, Greg, with this team that you can improve in that coaching staff is another spot as well that you want to maybe look at, but. To their credit, they did get to the nine and eight and 
You know, they're not going to the dance, but they, they closed a lot better than the Falcons did. Sure. And they had, you know, the, uh, an extremely easy schedule and their defense, especially Dennis Allen to me, is getting very creaky and disappointing. And they have to figure out how to get younger and better on defense because that's why they kept Dennis Allen. It's like, we got to keep this defense, uh, which has been so good year after year after year. And you saw the slippage start last year and then it really came home to roost this year where they were average. I, I do just to button up the, the Jameis thing, which is, yeah. it is amazing that it was Jameis. Uh, Eric McCoy, uh, a, a team captain who's been there forever, their center said that it was not intended to be disrespectful, but for us, it was about getting one of the most selfish players in the locker room that essentially moved to fullback, Jamal Williams. They basically asked him to play fullback for a lot time of the season, busting his ass with a positive attitude. It was to get him uh, a touchdown. He deserved it. And it wasn't, he was saying it wasn't just Jameis. It was a collective all 11. This guy deserves it. Uh, and if it wasn't Literally a collective, we wouldn't have done it. So, but that to me, so there's only the one quarterback team. on the field though. The quarterback is an ex- no, extension they, of the coaching but staff no, but, on the field. But in, but McCoy might be the guy more than anyone that decides this. He's a, he's a captain. He's a center. He's the one hiking it. And they're all in the, in the huddle and they decide we're not going to listen to Dennis. Hall. That's worse than just Jameis decided to that's, do it. That's, it was the whole team decided to 10 do times, it. 10 times, 10, 10 people worse. <laughs> right. 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 But it is the center snaps it to the quarterback. Yeah. And I just think that is you can't can't do that and whatever we'll we'll see what 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 happens and what management thinks about how the season it's almost fitting that's how the Saints season ends yes even with a win for all the melodrama and and I think people who follow the Saints love the melodrama you have this to chew on here's another episode of the soap opera for you what if he hadn't Enjoy scored it. the touchdown what if he were stuffed that would have been even weirder <laughs> that would have been, been great really weird they, yeah you're right they won it's crazy they won for. No one cares. Games convincingly. Well, but also because you remember the one primetime game, which would have put them into the right. playoffs. They weren't that competitive. No, they two weeks ago. So it's like that's that's the Saints. It's kind of the best of both worlds for Saints fans. You get to uh, knock out a rival, get the coach fired, enjoy wins, and then bury Dennis Allen and, <laughs> and the staff. Anyway, so enjoy it. Carte Blanc. All right, Carte Blanche. I say Blanc. All right, to Lambeau Field, where the Packers are looking to punch their ticket. <laughs> Love under center. And here's the handoff to Showtime. Left side. Breaks the tackle. Cutting left outside the number. <laughs> what is going on in there? Inside the 35 to the 31 yard line of Chicago. And there is your dagger. There it is. <laughs> oh, there is your dagger. Great coat. Who is that guy just screaming yes? One of my favorite tropes. Wayne Larravee with the call. That's Larry McCarron. Yes! <laughs> Good old Larry. Good old Larry. You always need a Larry around. Anyway, uh, yeah, there's the clinching run, and Jordan Love continued his outrageous play down the stretch. He threw for 316 yards and a couple scores. Packers to the playoffs with a 17-9 win over the Bears. The Packers um, have now... Uh, won three straight games, and they will get, as we said, the Dallas Cowboys next week in Jarrow World. That is a nice one. All right, uh, Greg, Jordan Love, here's a stat I saw right before we came in. 18 touchdowns, one interception in the last eight weeks of the season. Mm. When I think about the best games played by a quarterback this year, if you stack them all up, like the really memorable ones, Jordan Love played a lot of them. I, I kind of am having a hard time almost believing how good he is because 
just based on this second half of the season, he's playing like a top five quarterback or a future top five quarterback. He That's the level that he's looking at a defense, which has played fantastic over the last six weeks. One of the best in the league, uh, the bears. And he's looking so composed when there's pressure, he gets rid of it. When they're playing soft, he goes short. When he has a play to make that's special, mm-hmm. he can go make it. He had five incompletions in this game. Two of them were on improbably great throws that should have, could have possibly been touchdowns. They also blew an end of the half sequence. They missed a kick. This was as dominant a 17 to 9 game as they could have possibly played. 432 yards in only seven drives. They more than doubled the Bears in total yardage. They dominated this game. They closed out uh, the Bears with the ball and just killed the clock. That's why you, you heard Wayne Larrabee getting so excited. I'm just so impressed with Jordan Love. To me, him and C.J. Stroud this weekend were kind of the two biggest stories. Like, wow, we have two dudes, and in the biggest spots, they really stepped yeah, up. Yeah, and those seven drives, all but one went for 50-plus yards, and a bunch went for way more. And it's like their offense, especially to have Aaron Jones back, I think that matters a lot. He was awesome. Um, when your wide receivers are healthier than they've been through big chunks of Jordan Love's development this year, uh, this is like a, a, a scary team, and it's like a weird team for Dallas to have to deal with. Well, that's that's kind of what I was saying. Like, yeah. this is not some layup team for Dallas on their no, march to. I'm a little shocked they're favored by a playoffs. touchdown to start. Get, it, get in early on that. Uh, Aaron Jones, as you said, rushed for 111 yards on 22 carries. That's his third straight 100 yard performance. So not only do you have Love kind of ascending to stardom here. Now the running game has put things together. Even the defense, which has been bad for most of the year, is putting together some effort. Maybe the competition is in a, that high well, level. Well, they held the Bears to 192 yards. They played well today. 91 after half. And That's a couple weeks in a row. So the, the Packers are hitting the playoffs um, with a lot of momentum. On the Chicago side of bo- ball here, Greg, uh, Fields, you said they, they did not get into the end zone in this game. He got beat up a little bit. We talked about this as a final exam for Fields. Did you see anything here that would, like make the bears pause if they were leaning one direction or another? Yes, because I think if you look at what fields has done in the second half of the season, as he's played better, he still looked like Justin Fields, just sort of a better version of him. And today you saw some of the warts, which is holding on to the ball a lot. I think the Packers played really well defensively because in every key third down situation, they were just winning up front. Wyatt, Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary that like that defensive line can save the rest of their defense if they're playing well. And so fields wasn't protected well, but you saw the limitations maybe of like, well, we got to count on defense and fields being good enough. Cause today it was like fields wasn't going to elevate them enough. And the defense like defense in the NFL can come and go depending on the week. If you play the wrong quarterback and they were outclassed today. So I, I think it should make them pause a little bit. I've never, I've been in the camp that they're probably going to take a, a quarterback there, but it, it shouldn't be just on this. Kind of makes you wonder if like Luke Getze, OC could be in some hot water. You never know. I mean, I, the one thing that stood out for this game late is small note. Cause it's the end of Chicago's season, but like fields to me clearly looked like he had been concussed or suffered some sort of like head injury. And like he stays in the game and then they yank him like three plays later to check him after his head was slammed I mean, on a, getting, it was clear to anyone watching it. Like, wait a minute, check him right now. Don't let yes. him go three more plays. And he, and that probably should have been a, a penalty. It was one ra- break. The bears didn't get, I felt, I felt like bears were getting a lot of breaks just to stay in this game. This was maybe the best game. The Packers played, I, I think as a, as a team all season. 
Uh, and the Chicago Bears have the number one overall pick uh, mm-hmm. by virtue of that trade with the Panthers last year. And they also have the number nine pick. Uh, so two top 10 picks, including number one. Um, so not uh, a huge offseason. One of the most important offseasons in the history of that proud franchise. Yeah, and I, I really think it's going to be with Eberflus, which is risky. Tracy Wolfson, I thought, had uh, as telling a report about Eberflus as any woman. She talked to the president, Kevin Warren, before the game, and Kevin Warren talked about how continuity is necessary for this team, that if you look at teams that can get it going, it's with continuity. And then he mentioned Dick Vermeil specifically with the Rams saying it took him till his third year till he won. So that that's the president of the team who's making the decision. There you go. All but saying Ibraflus is definitely back. All right. Let's now uh, move to Arizona where the Seattle Seahawks were looking to keep their playoff hopes alive, but they were going to need help. They got some from the kicker as well. This is going to be to win the game. There's one second left on the clock. Do the Seahawks have a winning record in 2023? <laughs> hey, Let's it matters. Find out right now. A 51-yard field goal attempt by Prater. Off the left hash mark. Gilligan puts it down. Kick is away. And the kick is no good. No good. Prater misses from 51. Steve Rabel with the call. Yes, Prater was wide right from 51 out, and the Seattle Seahawks hold on for a 21-20 win over the Cardinals, who finished 4-13. The Seahawks, yes, 9-8. We now welcome in a man who um, knows he got those pipes mm-hmm. Yeah, for the field goal. Well, yep. we got some pipes here. Uh, Nick Shook, your thoughts on today's affair? First of all, how are you, buddy? I'm, I'm great. I'm imagining myself as an upside down goalpost right now. <laughs> you could do it. Right. We all are. I feel like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Shook, uh, so obviously Seattle needed Green Bay uh, to lose. They didn't. Um, but, you know, nice way to end the season. And it was kind of a fitting way for the season and for the Seahawks. Uh, ups and downs, a lot of close, close plays, close uh, games. Yeah, very uh, typical of the season for them. But you know what? The Cardinals, I got to give them credit, uh, the, the the PA people, the people who run the scoreboard, because they tried to engage in a little bit of mental warfare late in that game. The Seahawks have a one-point lead, and the Packers have won, and they display it on the scoreboard during a break <laughs> right off the top that the Packers have won, trying to take all it's the like, motivation go home. of the Seahawks. <laughs> With, like, a banner yes. and everything, too. I mean, it was, like, oh, yeah. a pretty ornate oh, yeah. decoration. I they like put that. the whole thing up. They really played it up. <laughs> Good planning out of them. And the uh, game like ended like 30. The Packers game ended 30 minutes before the Seahawks game. So it went back and forth a, a while after that just shows, you know, the fighting Genos have a lot of heart in them. You can take yeah, the playoffs so away. You can still get the win. They, they shouldn't have won. Prater missed a kick that would have put him up 10 with 30 with about three minutes to go too. Yeah. Before that kick that we just rolled. Yeah. He missed another one that would have made it, uh, a 10 point game, but you know what? You got to give a ton of credit to the Seahawks. Uh, this is, you know, for all the games that they've lost this year in a variety of different fashions, they have been a team that's been able to pull out close ones, say for 
that uh, last second loss to the Rams uh, when Drew Locke was in there for one terrible decision of a throw. Um, they've been a team that's done pretty well in these situations, and they did well in this one. And it's funny because the second half of this game, they were lifeless. So they, they had nothing. They could do nothing on offense, and they give up a touchdown to the Cardinals on the most interesting fake field goal I think I've seen in a long time where the kicker is out there, and then he's mm. running to the sideline, and suddenly Kyler Murray is taking the snap and throwing a touchdown pass, but Geno gets down the field. They take advantage of the missed Prater field goal. They go down the field. Four plays, they cover the yardage they need. Gino drops a perfect one in the bucket to Tyler Lockett. And the only thing I could think of in that moment beyond, oh my God, I can't believe they completed that pass. That was a great throw was, God, I wish they could do this consistently. They wouldn't be on the edge of being eliminated from the playoffs, which they were eventually eliminated from. If this was just who they were for most of the season, they would have been a much better team. And yet they were still almost in the postseason. Now, you think about all that, you think, well, the future's bright. They got a lot of young studs on both sides of the ball. They got Charbonnet. They got Kenneth Walker. They got a receiving core that rivals some of the best ones in the league, and they got a defense with Devin Witherspoon and some other guys that you got to get really excited about. But then you wonder, is Pete Carroll going to come back and coach again, or is this his time to walk away? So there's still some uncertainty. I was happy to see Gino lead that drive because it's been an up-and-down year for him where he's kind of been the new Dalton line, and I feel like he's a better quarterback than that, and he should have been better Greg's listening. Quiet. Well, Carol said because... Carol said he wants to come back. Yeah, we we have okay. that actually. Him getting asked after the w- game. Will they want him to come? I'm not back. sure it's the final answer, but that's what he said after yeah. the game. Let's listen. You said you love this team. Do you want to run it back? Does it make you want to come back and coach I, him again? I, I, of course, of course, I do. Of course, I'd love to do that. Do you expect to do that? I do. I do. I, at this point, I do. Yeah. That does not sound like a guy that's concerned about his future with the team. There, there was like a, an assistant to the ownership, like or one of the people that kind of the executives that was sitting there in the second row watching too. I don't take anything out of that actually. <laughs> I think know, in that we've that? seen it before. I just mean yeah. wait, uh, how do you know that? Because the beat writers wrote about it or whatever. You know, they tweeted that out. <laughs> they were like, it was pretty interesting that, that he's sitting there like watching this. Because You're so it, laser focused on this situation, in you this, need to know the seating chart in the, right. in the presser. In this invested <laughs> in this spot, it, I think if he was going to be going, he would say that no matter what. And he's not gone. So I don't know. I'm not totally sure. There were the insiders were including Ian, kind of put it out there that maybe he would be walking away, but he, he seemed to tamp it. I was, the comment I was making was uh, you equating Gino with the, the Dalton line, which is the prime meridian of quarterbacks. Um, is there any question about his future quarterback, or is that? I, I, think there's, uh, I think there should be. I mean, he was 11 for 22 at one point in this game, and, yeah. you know, he, he, he did have that final drive, and that was a very Gino-esque, and, like, it was very Seahawks offense-esque, too. But I, I'd say you just have to look around and see what you have. I mean, it's just like, I, I, I wouldn't, I get, I think you think, I see you think that Gino is like a, a, a better thrower than he's ever been in his career. And there's high quality things about him. He's a good leader at this stage. Like there's a lot of different elements to Gino, but it's like, this is not a quarterback that you can feel like you can go in three playoff games with. I just don't feel that way. About he just is the fans. least of their problems. The D, I mean, I think they want to get younger at the position. It would make sense to pair him with a draft pick basically. Uh, and he's on the second year of he has some guaranteed money coming in. But he was like 11th or 12th in PFF's grades last year. He's at the exact same spot. Like that's where he checks out to me, just like slightly uh, above that median and playing well. Like he also t- tie or broke a record today, which that this surprised me even as a Geno file. Uh, the most go ahead touchdowns in the history of the NFL in the fourth quarter or overtime this year. So. By this measure, he had the most clutch season of all time. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It also tells you they weren't scoring a bushel of points before the fourth yeah. quarter. 
He's kind of like there, is he, there's a correlation with him and Derek Carr in a way. Like the, yeah, ooh, not the biggest problem on the team, but also like is is he the future of your team? Do you, is that the That'd problem you is want. you have a defensive coach and you just gave up 466 yards to the Cardinals <laughs> and this happens week after week after week and like, yeah, there's... And Nick, one on. thing, because it's like, I feel like this is happening every week, but it, Jonathan Connor <laughs> got started slow today and I thought Seattle was like promising because they were shutting down Arizona's ground game like in the first quarter plus. Jonathan Connor ends up with 150 on the ground and 204 total yards. Like, it's like this guy is in the shadows on a team that no one's paying attention to, <laughs> kicking people's butts on a weekly basis. You said Jonathan Connor? That would be like Jonathan Gannon and Connor oh, yeah. ma- <laughs> matched up together, <laughs> which I like. Became one person. I, I, know. Well, I think we need a framework. new segment. I guess we'll have to wait till 2024. Because I'm but... thinking Jonathan Gannon and James Connor, but like James yeah. Connor has just been a punisher on a weekly basis. I, I would like, give Jonathan Connor. He is an running extension. as well as it, he's ever run. It's Connor Corner it, with Mark Sessler. <laughs> yeah. It's a weekly segment. We have not gotten out of a card. <laughs> it needs a little so work. Much. It needs yeah. a little work. I'm you not gonna lie, it. I was treading into an uncomfortable situation that I'm glad Dan just bailed me out of because I'm no, like, do I correct him or do I just keep absolutely. rolling? I wish it? I loved anything as much as Mark loves John Connor this year. <laughs> I I love James Connor. Look, uh, the Seahawks run defense has been terrible all year. Uh, and I think they ranked 30th coming into today in like every notable metric when it comes to defending the run. So that's a big issue with them. Um, that's a big part of why they gave up so many yards to the Cardinals and why they ended up being the team that they were. But you got to give a lot of credit to James Conner. He just had his first thousand yard rushing season of his career. And in a year in which they had to go through a couple of quarterbacks before they could actually get to the point where Kyler was healthy and available to play, they needed somebody to carry them. And in certain games, the Dallas win being one of them, he did that. So I got to give him a ton of credit. He's had a good year. Um, But if we really talk about the Cardinals as a whole, guys, Mm -hmm. this is not where I thought I would be with them when the season started. I thought it was going to be a disaster. Oh, yeah. Not go well. They're, the vibe around this team, despite mm-hmm. finishing four and thirteen, is about as optimistic as it can be going into the offseason. I think there's a lot. I'm to like. with you, and I, I talked about that on Thursday. It just feels like they're in better hands. Shooky, always in good hands uh, with you. You've been uh, such an important part of our Sunday show for a few years now, and you did that big lift for us with lift, nailed it, pipe uh, with Claybon when we were in England, and we'll be sure to keep you in the mix. Uh, whether it's the playoffs or the offseason, we thank you for everything you do for us. And a great job on QB Index as well on a weekly basis. Thank you, guys. I feel privileged to be entrusted with this role, both here and QB Index. Uh, it is very, I'm very fortunate, and I look forward to potentially seeing you uh, in Vegas when we all continue. Hey now. Finish strong. You know, those, those these hey playoff QB Indexes, they'll test you, you know. You're at yeah. the end of the season. You got you to gotta stay sharp. You got to stay focused. Like when yeah, you have to do leg to day, you know, it's like, you just got to do it. Hey. hey, you know what? It's one of the best uh, things you can do for your body is back and legs as a man. Just hit those, it gets the testosterone going. We got to do it. We got to get that push. In Perfect. The That's how shit goes out on the regular season. Thank you, my man. Give him a round Thanks, of applause. Guys. Give him a round of Here applause, Roberts. By the way, there's a QB index that uh, you're charged with. If you're doing the column that comes out soon where you have to rank not, not at, the starter, every single quarterback, essentially. It's and it's the like, last one. Yeah. It's like a hundred this week, this year, it's going to be like 78 people or something like, you know, we have, we're going to get to our sandwich props um, later in the week. There's one that's connected to two long forgotten quarterbacks. Uh, and I was thinking to myself, how do you, these guys, are they even in the QB index? But you just answered my question. I yeah. They everyone's they in the final be. one. Okay. All right. Let's uh, keep moving. It's time now for the Sunday drive. 
presented by the first ever Toyota Highlander. Not a lot on the line for uh, the Niners and Rams, but, you know, pride matters. San Francisco 20, L.A. 19. After a 12-yard rushing score, the 11th rushing touchdown of Carson Wentz's career. His first start as a Ram. Can Drama. he put the Rams on the high side for the first time in this regular season finale? From the two, snap, play fake, roll right, Wentz stops, Wentz throws, back of the end zone, it's caught! Oh. It's a two-point conversion for Turbo! Tutu! Hey. <laughs> Mark, not even for J.B. Long, for you. I really reined it in there after what happened last week. Well, you were going to reach out to him after what happened last week. I'm sure you did that. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't see him at the barbershop, but we're going to cross paths at the barbershop. Yeah, well, we'll see what as we often encounter do. that is. Um, that was a great call by our friend J.B. Long and a great two-point conversion throw by one Carson Wentz. Remember that guy who played... Uh, for Matthew Stafford resting in this game. And the Rams hold on for a 21-20 win over the Niners. The Niners obviously had the NFC locked up. They're the number one seed. They rested a bunch of their key guys. uh, And it is the Rams that get their 10th win of the season. And I think, again, these things matter, Greggy. Sean McVay, they wanted to get into that double-digit win. And and where does it put them in the playoff picture? It puts them in Detroit. So that two-point conversion... And the subsequent forced fumble of Sam Darnold that really ended the game. I didn't want that to be the highlight. That felt that felt negative. Uh, change their destination. They would be going to Dallas. They would be in the seventh seed if they didn't win this game. And now they're in Detroit. They're they're the sixth seed. I don't know if that's a better or worse matchup, but it's a spicier set of matchups to me because it gives us the perfect uh, revenge game. Uh, double header here with Love that. McCarthy Cowboys and Stafford Rams and was impressive. Wentz actually made some good plays in this game. He led the uh, game in rushing yards, 56 rushing yards on 17 attempts. Whoa. That tells you what kind wow. of game this is. I, I do like the idea of Stafford versus the Detroit secondary. I think that's a, that's a sure. promising matchup for them. Um, I mean, We've been talking about all these coaches of the year, and I understand the, oh, what's no. happening in the desert. But like, <laughs> what Sean McVay has done, honestly, from a year ago at this time, it was like, is Sean McVay like walking away from football? Is he going to become an announcer? Is he burnt out? Nice and there was year. the think piece about how he felt he was burning other people out around the building. It's like what they've accomplished, and what we you talk with the Cardinals. It's like low expectations for the Rams. It was just assumed they'd go win five games or something and bottom out, and then have to rebuild. And it's like this is one of the better coaching jobs of the last five, last half def- decade. In I know NFL. it sounds weird, but this game actually, I think proves that point. Cause yes, it was a lot of backups in, uh, Trent Williams, Ayuk, Debo, they all started, but they all left after one or two series, depending on w- which guy it was. And that was true for like the super duper stars on, on both teams. The Rams also sat a lot of people. Puka Nakua played into the third quarter to get his rookie record. But just the fact that there was so much Puka spirit. It's <laughs> Walker. Uh, just the fact there was so much spirit, like they were getting, they were all fired up and just seeing the Rams backups compete with the 49ers backups and come back. Like I was thinking that wouldn't have happened a year ago because the Rams starters weren't as good as other teams backups a year ago. They're just a better team. Yes. They, uh, they've really built that thing on the fly and on the San Francisco. I kept my eye on this game in the first half because you know, I'm a Sam Darnold fan. I thought he played very well. Yeah. Um, and, and kept the offense moving and, and, Brock Purdy's the starter. If something happens to Brock Purdy, I think Darnold has the ability to run this offense. And I thought you saw that 
uh, in just the snapshot of this game. So 26 yards shall see. for their offense after halftime. So the, the Rams backups mostly, although actually there was a lot of the Kobe turn. A lot of their starters were in there. They lost Jordan Filler, their starter, but they locked they locked the 40 Puka, down in the second half. After that touchdown, he's one yard shy of the rookie wide receiver yardage record. And I think two catches and the rest of the first half, they're desperately trying to get the record <laughs> to get him off the field and they can't do it. They're trying to force it in the final 10 seconds of the first half so they could just shut it down. Yeah. And then apparently, as, as you said, he did eventually did get it in the third quarter and they could mercifully get Naku out of the mix before he got himself hurt. So very good. Very good. Tough day for Bill Groman, who uh, previously had that record set back in 1960. I'm not sure where Bill, Bill Groman can is we, at, at this point. Can we give, I don't know anything about the guy. And he yeah. did it in four, 14 games. He could so. be like the Ty Cobb of the NFL. I don't know what his background is or whatever. So before I overpraise him, but to have that record in 1960, you kidding me? What kind of offense was that? It's incredible. <laughs> they, had, they had some, they had some scoring back in the, like the, those AFL type teams. He was on the Oilers. Uh, unfortunately he passed away three years ago. How many records, Greg, though, do you see? Not almost in none. the modern NFL right. that are your breaking records from 1960. Everything's in the last Air 20 years. Right. right. And he did it in, in, did it in 14 games. So Groman. Groman. Hey, you deserve we recognize it. you. You deserve it. Hopefully you were a good guy. I, I think you are still in the mix for the best you know, rookie receivers yeah, ever. Yeah, Greg informed us that he's passed away, but he's left us. We wish the best. I mentioned that. He, I just off. checked that out. Uh, he died during uh, 2020. Did you say rest in power? Yeah. I second that. All right. And that was the Sunday drive presented by Toyota. Let's go places. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Uh-oh. If it's the... Sunday night podcast after week 18. That can only mean one thing. Breaking news. Somebody's gone, and it is Arthur Smith. Mm. The Falcons, uh, after it was reported by Tom Pelissero, uh, the Falcons confirmed the dismissal of their head coach after three seasons. And here is a statement from Arthur Blank. Decisions like this are never easy, and they never feel good. We have profound respect for Coach Smith and appreciate all the hard work and dedication he has put into the Falcons over the last three years. He has been a part of building a good culture in our football team, but the results on the field have not met our expectations. After significant thought and reflection, we have determined the best way forward for our team is new leadership in the head coaching position. Now, additional reporting from Pelissero here, Greggy. The Falcons say the search, quote, will be led by blank and... McKay, Rich McKay, uh, with input from Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot and several other appropriate members of Blank's Atlanta Falcons and AMB Sports and Entertainment Organization. So the GM appears safe, but Arthur Smith runs out of time. And and as we talked about earlier, a grim ending in New Orleans kind of set the table for this. and, And now Smith has to take a walk. Shout out to Rich McKay. I remember when he was on the hot seat as their GM like 20 years ago or 15 years ago, and then he somehow got kicked up to CEO. So he's actually making more money and has more responsibility, and he's the one firing everyone. And That's he, how you do it. He also got flagged for piping in fake crowd noise into uh, the Falcons facility. <laughs> that, that happened too. I, okay, I know Rich McKay is not the, the centerpiece here. Them putting Fontenot in the statement is positive because I, I think Fontenot's done a pretty good job. He's only been there three years. It was a total teardown. And we talked about it earlier when we were talking to Arthur Smith. It was just like 
the point of Arthur Smith, what Arthur Smith was supposed to be, what he was supposed to do in terms of that running game specifically and his offense. That, and you saw it last year. You could see it. It was totally gone this year. And so I, I think that's what killed them more than anything. I think if they somehow were 7-10 and 10 or 8-9 and nine and they were competitive and they had the number three running game in the league and they had some good numbers for their stars, I think he might still be there. But that, that his strength turned into their biggest weakness. Yeah, like what attracted me to the concept of like this year's Falcons back in you know July and August was that there seemed to be a vision. It was like even if the rest of the league's doing this, like Arthur Smith with Bijan Robinson and the rest of the crew is going to try to go do something different. And you kind of believed in it because we saw that blueprint in Tennessee uh, with Derrick Henry, with Ryan Tannehill. But the missing element, like all along here, and like if we're going to talk about D'Amico Ryan's being lifted up by the play of a young, promising quarterback, is that for years on end, it, it, like especially with like Marcus Mariota and then with, with Desmond Ritter this year, it's like the quarterback play... Whenever there is even an ounce of positivity, there are two or three incredibly frustrating things that seem to happen every game. Like, didn't every Falcons game sort of feel the same? Well, there's the image that I'm thinking of right now, because Ritter was Jekyll and Hyde on Sunday, where he was pretty good in the first half, and then just started making mistake after mistake. And the image that I have that I'll remember this season is the shots of Arthur Smith after yet another a devastating Desmond Ritter turnover. He rolls his eyes or puts his hands in his face, and yeah, that that's, and and that's organizationally where I do, I don't Arthur Smith I thought didn't do a great job this year, but I also when they put Desmond Ritter uh, gave him this former third round pick and all of a sudden say this is your guy uh, in an off season where there were other options out there put him in a bad situation and then when they couldn't get the running game going, Greg as you're saying, uh, it just kept on com- compounding and his play calling was suspect as well. It just it never came together for this team with him. I feel I liked him as a character in the in the NFL, and he's not going anywhere. I like I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll be an offensive coordinator. He'll probably be highly into Madison OC because that's when he got the job out of yeah. Tennessee. He was right. probably not going to do the weekly higher. McAfee paid spots. I don't think he was getting you know Aaron Rodgers money, but he was he was on there. Speaking of weekly, he was on there. Speaking of just yes. the media, it's a it is a tough sitch, and I know maybe not the nation isn't plugged in this, but like yeah. for Georgia public broadcasting. Like, Big. I mean, I, they, they, they took this whole story in a different direction. They did. They, it wasn't, you know, Arthur Blank was on their channel, well, but it's like that, you know, like the whole story flipped. That Silver Fox asked the question to the owner that needed to be asked. Yeah. Voila. A few weeks later, uh, there's a change at the top of, of a break of public trust really from <laughs> Arthur Blank. And he was getting, he's getting the jump on it. The, the first report of this came out at, 9.02 Pacific, which would make it 12.02 Eastern on Black Monday. And so technically, uh, it, yes. It, it, it made it there. Monday and dismissal. I, ben Volan of the Boston Globe is the only one I've seen reporting this, but he's been piping Belichick to Atlanta possibility for weeks now. And so they have a job and, opening. Well, Bill has, what, a 7 a.m. press conference? Hmm. East Coast tomorrow? Hmm. Hmm. Can you really... Kyer, the guy who was the coach of 283. Uh, Why not? I don't know. It's just something feels funky. Um, all right. So there you go. It's, and it's well, not a disqualifying, but it just no, opens you up to lots of little, jokes. It's just weird. Odd. The week ahead is uh, uh, going to be a lot of fun here. So we got, we're going to do a little Black Monday uh, podcast. So that's another. What are we up to now? That's four coaches gone, but the first one after the season, after the regular season concluded. You could almost say we just sort of did a little bit of a tiny Black Monday episode. A little bit. Yeah. 
maybe we don't need. No, no, no. I think yeah. we, I think we, you know, we, we. I feel like Ron Rivera. We're going to learn about tomorrow, and maybe a, a surprise or two or three. So uh, that's what we'll be there uh, for. Uh, anything else you want to? Oh, let me. Uh, I'm going to check in a Tankathon real quick now that we have the um, draft order set. Just, just... Did Nick get back to you on a? Oh, he did actually <laughs> immediately. Very quickly. Very I thought quickly. he was going to send a video. I think. He, yeah, I think he's mad. I got your live. Re- I got your live reaction. Eat sh- Greg. Sorry. Eat poop, Greg. So okay. I love it. I mean, I don't give him half the grief that uh, his brothers, including Phil, do for his his picks, his takes, and uh, it is very much on um, my radar now. The, yes, the big race for second here, Kansas. Catching up. It's, like on, it's said, on Hansis's radar, too. He's the only one back now. All I wanted was the silver medal out of this, and, and uh, I've, I've, uh, I'm moving up the old charts. Um, all right, here is the... I'll take care of last place for you. 2024 <laughs> NFL draft order. Uh, Chicago, Washington, New England, Arizona, Chargers. That's your top five. Giants, Titans, Falcons, Bears, Jets. That is the top ten picks with Minnesota and Denver on the outside looking in there. So that is to put a bow on the regular season. Um, as even if you're, if your team makes the playoffs, it's a, a very exciting time. Uh, when your team doesn't make the playoffs, even when it's a, a, a depressing season or a frustrating season, you you miss it. Cause it's like, you just went from three straight months every Sunday, or, you know, if you get a primetime game, having that to look forward to. And now begins the long wait. Whenever your team exits the picture, whether it's now or sometime this month, uh, it's that long wait until you get football every week again. So another regular season in the books for us as well. Hmm. Eleven. Well, you could follow another sport or two if you, if you must. Eleven. Is you this must. Is 11 regular seasons. Is that the number? Is that's, that it? Uh, that's it for our podcast. 11. That's we're up to 11. So thank you to everybody for listening all regular season long. Thank you uh, to Big Funk and Eric behind the glass. These Sunday shows are a major lift, and they've done great work all year. We'll be back Monday, a full week of shows. Till then, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.